Blog Talk Radio. Hello there, and welcome to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Eat, episode number 3.45, coming to you live, literally live, from Blue Haven in New York City, and we are here, New York Sports Talk Podcast, we're in the back room of Blue Haven, hanging out, I am one of your hosts, Steve San Pietro. going to be joined in a second by Brian Calvi from home in Comac, he's sick. He looks very he look he has better color than I thought he would. I'm looking at him on the FaceTime. You look a little better than I thought. Let's bring you no. in right now. Let's bring you in let's let's get you in here right away before you pass out. Please sit down before you yeah. fall down. Let's take this quick. <laughs> he is not live at Blue Haven. No. City. Uh Mr. Brian Calneva Calpino. Caliente, hi Brian. Hi, Steve. You're sick, man. Tell everybody about it. You're you're upper respiratory, man. Uh, I'm sick. That's that's about it. You sound sultry. Yeah, well, you know, I'm a gamer, so yeah, I I played through it. We were saying, like, if if Herm Edwards was the coach of our podcast, (laughs) he would be like, he got along. He's going to be okay, though. He's going to play. We'll see you on Sunday. You know, he game time, but he got along. He got meds. He got got meds. He got a cough. (laughs) He'd be okay. You podcast to win the game, okay? Hello, uh, Brian. It's good to have you. Thank you. I wish I was there with you, but you look great. Everything there looks great. I'm sure everybody's treating you well. 
Everybody is treating us great. We are literally live in the back room at Blue Haven on the corner of Houston and Thompson in New York City. Uh, this episode is sponsored, of course, by Blue Haven. Um, and uh, we want to thank everybody, Dermot and all the folks here, uh, for taking such good care of us. If you're in the New York City area and you can hear this, come on down, have a beer. Josh is here. Our buddy Josh, Errol's here. They're having beers. They're hanging out. I think my cousin Louise is back there somewhere having a burger. I don't know, Cal. There's people here. The place is very nicely decorated, too. I saw a picture that you, you, you sent before. It is very holidayed up. Is anybody looking through the window yet? Not yet. Not yet. There's a great window here, and but there's uh, 11 tiny reindeer in the, in the way there, Cal. Oh, well. So, uh, by the way, with you sounding this sultry, this is a great time to record an album. <laughs> this, is good. this is a really good... If you were thinking about doing, like, covers of, like... 80s like soft ballads. This is the time to do it. I was going to do some spoken word, maybe. That's that's that not work. You know, if you go back and listen to Van Halen one, by the way, David Lee Roth has an awful cold. Can I do the audio track for "Play Like a Jet"? <laughs> you you actually have. This is probably the most radio your voice has sounded. It is. It is wow. <laughs> it is backhanded compliment night. Yeah, it is fantastically radio your voice right now, Cal. Great. If you wanted to sing like uh, Islands in the Stream right now, you'd kill it. Which which version? Which which part? Which, which part? Right. If you did the parton, you'd kill it right now. You're very sultry. Well, we got a ton to talk about, and we got a guest live with me here at Blue Haven. Yeah, not lucky you, you. Not with you there so much in Comac. Not in my basement. No. <laughs> it's much better. I think we chose that well. Let him be there with you at the bar. <laughs> He made out well, too, our yeah. guest, because he would much rather be here than hanging out in your basement, Cal. Yeah, no offense. No, he's, he's like, better off. Looks, looks like something out of seven. <laughs> it's just I the expect, lighting. I expect Stacy to be there somewhere. Detective! Okay, let's uh, bring in the cast of characters here before we get to our guest, Joe Caparosa from TurnOnTheJets.com. So we have uh, PJ is here. The bishop is here. He is? He's not here. He's not physically oh. here. He's he's also calling in. Okay. This is a completely 2012 podcast. Is anyone actually here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting by myself in a bar again. R and I. Somebody just <laughs> somebody just walked by Cal with Princess Leia hair. I'm not kidding. I believe you. Somebody just walked by the window with the two buns. Look good, Josh. You saw it was a blonde girl. She had the two buns. She had the two Danish. Who wear who wears that out? Princess Leia. Thank you. RTU breaking. Somebody has Princess Leia hair. Good job, everybody. Uh, Peach, uh, come on in here. I don't know if we can get your music on. Hi, Peach. Come on. What? Why? Why you gotta yell? There's a speaker here. <laughs> no music. Jeez. No, no intro music. Sorry. That's uh, great. There's your intro. There it is. Isn't that nice? That's not accurate. Now, now I can unbutton my shirt. <laughs> Again. Again. Let's go. Let's go, In defiance of the restraining order, I will unbutton my shirt. I'm breaking several city ordinances myself right now with no fans. <laughs> they do serve food here, too, by the way. So I should probably fan some. Uh, how are you, Bish? Oh, you're working tonight. Bish is, Bish is good. Bish is, uh, you know, we're going through some changes over at Bish's house. Puberty? 
What's what's that? Zach too. Well, look, I've got a junior high school uh, age daughter. We're not going to talk about that. Yes. What what changes are going on over there at the uh, the Bishop household? I revealed to you two years ago, probably two years ago, and just about three weeks before I fell off the wagon again, I revealed to you two years ago that I had kicked sugar. <laughs> yes, you did. In a you very Sacramento way. You, you didn't even have Kramer getting you off sugar. No, it was all me. Yeah. And, that, and then it all went south. Right. I have my demons. You know this. I do. Um, so now, with the help of uh, my wife, we're, we're trying to get me back off it. Because, I mean, you know, it's ridiculous now. You must be really fun to be around right now. Uh, <laughs> you must be a good time. No sugar. Look, I maintain a high level of good humor, and then I snap. Well, you're a jolly fat man. It's you I know. Mean, I, it's, I mean that with love. You're just no, 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 no. It's fine. It, but, but, I mean, seriously, it's like, it's like I, I can maintain PJ for you know a good five minutes, and then someone will say just one thing, and I will go off. Yeah. And then and then come right back because I realize I'm a I'm a fool. You're a, you're a lot of fun to be around. I'm just, I'm just trying to get dry in my own way. Good, good. Well, uh, have some sugar, and uh, let's welcome Jay into the program. Our engineer I'm from here. the Gaias. Hey everyone, how's it going, Mr. Jay Mafali? Thank you. Get it. Your fingers. It's you have easier to then. do this. You have to do this. We can't say this. You know, they right. can't see it, but, but you get it. You use, you use like a little pinchy. You little do the pinch, pinch thing. thing. Like you're you putting say, a little salt in the in the gravy. A la right. Ma fa. In the gravy knife. <laughs> in the gravy knife. Going on, guys. You know what's magnificent? Jay is uh, helping us out doing all the audio. And then we have a guest, uh, once again on the program, uh, Joe Caparosa from TurnOnTheJets.com. Awesome Jets website. Killing it. We're going to talk Jets in just a minute. We're going to talk baseball in the winter meetings. Uh, I'm sure PJ has a delightful fun load that involves me drinking an 80-ounce uh, tower of beer. Uh, yes. We have some friends here. That we can bring them in. We'll talk to Josh in a little bit. He's got some of his opinions. We're going to need to uh, lean heavily on the bleep bar when Josh comes on. I, I got my finger on the mute button. Yeah. I, got, I don't have a bleep. I got a mute button. Josh, Josh doesn't just work blue. He works like indigo. Like he, it's, But <laughs> the last time we had Joe on... This is Joe Caparosa. Caparosa. Am I Caparoso. Right. Caparoso. It's an A. You gotta say it's it with an o. o. It's an O. Right. I keep saying it with an A. He's Caparosa. You have to say that with the fingers on. You do. But when we when we had you on the first time, Joe, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on again, buddy. I'm happy to be here. Um, we're gonna talk just in a minute, but this is hilarious. So right now you have Steve San Pietro, Brian Calvi, PJ Cachopo, Jay Mafali, and Joe Caparoso. Forget about it. A lot of vowels in the back. Again, are we doing a podcast or is somebody getting whacked? <laughs> like what I, I Josh our buddy Josh is sitting back here in the back room with us. I'd be afraid if I were you. It's like the opening credits, the good fellas. <laughs> it is. Good you, you know, and you know what? You're Maury in this equation. You're the only Jewish guy in the room. <laughs> Somebody oh, said, that boss you played with my sister. Today. Today I want the money, Josh. Today. Uh, so it's, it's just, it's ridiculously Italian in here. 
We can talk about Ham Gabagool, or we can talk about the Jets. It's up to you. <laughs> uh, no, but seriously, Joe, thank you for joining us. Hey, I'm happy to be here. Welcome to the program. Uh, welcome back. Absolutely. I love the venue down here. I love to actually get to you know, come down in person and see it. Beautiful. Uh, Cal, uh, whatever shall we talk about? Hmm. Hmm, Jets. Hmm. We could talk about the Jets. No, I mean, we're going to talk about the Jets, but what with them? Yes, I, I, I know, I know. Yeah, I don't know. There's a, there's something going on with the quarterback over there, I heard. I don't, I don't think that's accurate. No? I don't. I think you're grossly misinformed. Oh, you're right. I I'm, I forgot. They have three starting quarterbacks. That's right. Which so a lot of be a teams, problem. A lot of teams would be envious of. That's right. A lot of teams would want this situation. I, I can't think of some UFL teams who wouldn't want this situation. <laughs> All right, we're gonna let's. I, I have this in my head, Cal, about how we want to do this with Joe tonight. So let's break it down because there's so much to talk about. We have a limited time with Joe. He's got to go play ball. He's got to run. Right, Let's do this. Young Carmelo Anthony in the Upper East Side right now. <laughs> you look a lot like him too, by the way. <laughs> I get that sometimes. You do. Um, you get that a lot. Um, but Cal, I, the way to break this down for me is uh, to start at the quarterback. So let me ask you, Joe. You wrote a great uh, column today on Turn on the Jets. Read that. As usual, you guys are killing it over there. You and Chris Gross and is it Saletti? That they say it? Yes, Chris Saletti and Rob Saletti. Actually, also right. my cousins, along with being writers, right. other side of the family, but right. Uh, on the good side? <laughs> on the good side, right. to the Jets fan side. Right. The, other, the other side is actually Giants fans. Is that right? I, I, of course, decided to go with the Jets as right. a little kid and now yeah. still paying the consequences. So. Yeah, that worked out well. Yeah, of course. They must, be, they must be Sicilian. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, you wrote a great article that basically touted both sides of the equation. You talked about how McElroy uh, it, it would be a viable starter. You talked about how you could see Rex going back to Sanchez. So my first question to you is, what does he do? Well, I, what I wanted to point out that article is that there is a reasonable argument for both sides. I think most fans, at least that I've seen, are very bullish on Malfoy being the starting quarterback at this point, despite you know he did only throw seven passes against one of the worst teams in the league, five for seven for 29 yards. And I do think there is a very good chance Rex is going to go to Malfoy from everything we've been hearing. It's 65-35 from a few different reports. But you have to keep in mind that Mark Sanchez is owed $8 million guaranteed dollars next year. The Jets have two road games coming up against two very bad defenses. Is there a reason maybe to give your first-round pick, a guy who's going to have to probably be on your team next year, one last chance to maybe build some confidence and play well against some bad teams? Or is he that far gone where at this point you know, you just can't win with Mark Sanchez, even if you're playing Jacksonville or Tennessee. You just have to give the ball to McElroy. And I do think, I predicted at the end of that column, that Rex is going to ultimately end up going with McElroy. I think... This team is going to cave to the fan pressure, and the fans are calling for McElroy right now. And I don't know if that's necessarily the right choice, but I can't go crazy about it if they don't go back to Sanchez because of just how bad he's been this year. And I've been a steadfast. Yeah, you've been on his. We, yeah. you know, you and I have agreed on that wholeheartedly. That you know, we've both been in Mark Sanchez's corner for a number of reasons. One, we want to see it work out. I mean, we desperately, as Jet fans, want to have the big time quarterback, and he's supposed to be it. And I was saying this today, and this is what I wanted to bring up. Cal, we were talking about this, and we had texted this. This is a this is a Jet fan thing, okay? It is. When it comes to the backup quarterback, the backup quarterback is always the most popular quarterback on the Jets. It's been this way for 30 years. I was telling my buddy, uh, a buddy of ours, who's a, I want to say a last 15 years Jet fan. Okay. And he's, I've, I've seen enough of Sanchez. It's enough. You know, look at what McElroy did when he came in the game. He energized the team. And I said... 
I said, I sat in the stands when they cheered when Chad Pennington got hurt. Yep, was in the stadium that day, too. For Jay Fiedler. And then they went nuts when, you know, uh, uh, Glenn Foley came in for Neil O'Donnell. And they went crazy when Browning Nagel came in for Ken O'Brien. And they went nuts when Tony Eason or Troy Taylor came in for uh, for Boomer Esiason. And they went nuts when Pat Ryan came in for Ken O'Brien. And even crazier, when Ken O'Brien came in for Richard Todd. This has been going on for 30 years with the Jets. It's, it's 30 years. The most popular thing about Greg McElroy is that his last name is in Sanchez. Sanchez. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Number one redeeming quality right now. Cal, when you were watching the game the other day, Okay, when you were watching that game the other day, and I texted you. I said, this is it. This is the day he's going to do it. You said that, and I didn't believe you. And I said, this is, the, this is to me, Joe and Cal, the other day was the perfect storm. I just think with how reckless and how upset that crowd was. It, it, angry. just sounded very angry. It was the perfect storm to bring in, uh, to pull Sanchez because no Tebow. Okay, if he replaces Sanchez with Tebow, at any point this season, he loses Sanchez, period. Gone. Mm -hmm. He can never put him back in. So that's A. B, you're at home against a terrible team, and it became apparent in the third quarter that if you just scored a touchdown, you're winning this game. You maybe even need two field goals, you win this game. Absolutely. The only quarterback in the league who is worse than anyone in the Jets right now has to be Ryan Lindley. It's Ryan Lindley. Oh, my goodness. Quarterbacking performance I've ever seen in my life, ever. <laughs> Cal was saying, Cal, I mean, we were texting back and forth. Cal, you were like, this is, you went into straight Francesa mode, though. You did, uh, yeah. I really like, had never seen anything like that before in my life. It's a straight JV. Straight I, JV. Unbel- I don't know how Larry Fitzgerald puts up with it in that offense. It, I don't care how much money his contract is worth. That is just unbelievable that you that know, guy was able to play in the NFL for an entire game. You know what we found out about Larry Fitzgerald? He is not a diva receiver. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> because could you imagine if that was Randy Moss or, or or Terrell Owens or something like that in that game? Yeah, or San Antonio Holmes. He probably would have been in the fight. Right, in the auto halfway through the game. So you had that situation where the Jets could win with a touchdown. That's it. All you got to do is score once, and you win the game. So you, and Rex knows this. And then you also have a terrible, terrible opponent on the road next week where if he needs to go back to Sanchez, he can. Exactly. Empty crowd in you know, Jacksonville, no – you know, semblance of home field advantage. I think Tebow is probably going to be inactive again this week. Right. From everything we've hopefully. heard. So hopefully. And lastly, he knew that if he brings in McElroy, he ignites the crowd, ignites the home crowd, and therefore ignites the team. And that's exactly what happened. And they went on a 69-yard drive and scored a touchdown and won the game. Exactly. You almost wonder if they had a more standard backup quarterback throughout this entire season. Say they brought in, like, Jason Campbell over the offseason or Matt Moore from Miami. In that San Francisco game when it's 10 nothing, they probably go to that quarterback, get the same spark. Maybe they steal that game, the Miami game at home. Could have been the same kind of thing, but because they were so hesitant to play Tebow, and it's, you know, completely apparent now that Rex Ryan, Tony Sperano, and maybe even Mike Tannenbaum really didn't even want any part of this Tebow deal. It was really Woody Johnson orchestrated that they were just not playing Tebow no matter what. Yeah, no, and, they, and, and I think the best thing that could have happened for Rex was to have Tebow bench for that game. Now, Cal, one last thing on this, and then I have a bunch of we have a bunch of questions for Joe that he's covered on the website and stuff like that. And I want to get into uh, uh, you know the film breakdowns that you guys have been doing and stuff like that. And also, where do we go? Do we get rid of Tannenbaum? Do we get rid of you know? But Cal, now you think he's going to start McElroy, correct? No. Great. Why don't you why don't you why don't you tell me what you're thinking? 
<laughs> you should have asked. No, I asked. No, well, this is well, this is what I wanted to bring up with Joe because it's very interesting. Uh, Joe had written on Monday. You had wrote that you you kind of thought it over a little bit more, and that you thought that Sanchez should get another start in Jacksonville. And it's funny because I kind of felt the same way. Steve feels the same way. I'm wondering how many people do you think took the night on Sunday night? Everybody got caught up in the emotion of McElroy on Sunday. How many people do you think took the night and came back on Monday morning and thought, you know what, maybe Sanchez does deserve another start? Exactly. I think, obviously, it's easy to be very excited after that game and say, of course we have to go with McElroy. Look how Sanchez played. Look how McElroy played. Look at the difference. But when you think about it, when you think about where this team's at right now this season, and you face the reality that there's, they owe Mark Sanchez $8 million next year. They're paying him that money if he's on the team, if he's not on the team. And when you figure we're probably not going to the playoffs, we're playing a terrible, terrible defense next week and really the week after, maybe we should give this guy one more shot. Maybe getting pulled and seeing that happen in his home stadium will shake him to life or something. And I just think it's more of a toss-up than it seemed originally you know, right after the game when it seemed like a no-brainer just to go with McElroy. Well, Joe, do you think that this is kind of like – the last shot for Sanchez, where if Rex doesn't play Sanchez on Sunday, can he bring him back again after that? I have a very tough time seeing that, because I think if they go with McElroy, I think there's a good chance they're going to win three of their four last games, if not even four of their last four games, just based on the competition and the matchups. If you look at Jacksonville, Tennessee, San Diego, who's tanking much worse than the Jets even are, and then <laughs> Buffalo, who the Jets have just had their number ever since Rex has taken over. So if you start McElroy these four games, you go 3-1, and one, McElroy's anywhere halfway decent, gets another home game, how do you expect Sanchez to come back in training camp and say, all right, yeah, Sanchez is going to compete with McElroy and, you know, this veteran for the job? At that point, you probably just have to let him go at that point. Take the cap hit, see if you can find it, someone who's going to trade for him, which you're not because no one's taking that contract, and then you just got to eat that cap cost, which is, you know, goes back to Mike Tannenbaum and, Poor cap management from a guy who's supposed to be yeah, a salary cap yeah, guru. Salary cap guru. Yeah. Unless someone decides to give Greg McElroy the Matt Castle or Matt Flynn contract for the backup that played uh, yeah. half a season, yeah. and yeah. then McElroy leaves. Get that lucky. Yeah. I think the other. I, I'm sorry, Cal. Go ahead. So that was it. I was going to say. I think the other thing with Sanchez and the 8.3 million owed for next year, which is which is obviously a specter out there, is um, you know what can he. Is the season salvageable? Is his contract or, or is his confidence salvageable with this group of receivers? Because you know, Joe, we've talked about this a ton. This is this, they have done this guy a disservice. I was I was tweeting with uh, Deb, mm-hmm. great Jet uh, Jet fan, Little Miss Jet or whatever. And Deb is great. She, she's but she's she's anti Sanchez. Very anti Sanchez. But she's open minded yeah. at least. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, we were tweeting back and forth today a little bit about the idea of what Braylon Edwards had said. Mm-hmm. Now, anybody who's listening to this program, Cal, Cal smiling, because anybody who's listened to this program for the last two years since he was a free agent knows that uh, things are a little awkward between Braylon and I. That's how, <laughs> that's how much I, I really like Braylon and wanted them to – I thought he should have been the receiver they signed back. We talked about that when you were on the show. Absolutely. And Braylon came out and said today, don't blame Sanchez. Blame the idiots upstairs. Mm-hmm. And all I all I was saying to Deb was I think the problem with Sanchez is twofold. I think it's on management. They they I'm in the ruinous camp. I think they've ruined him. Mm-hmm. But also he has not risen to the occasion. So he has let the lack of talent surrounding him affect his play Bring him and down, his yeah. demeanor. And it's especially evident this year. Yeah, I think 
you know, is he salvageable? It, it's a very good question, and I think it's frustrating because we saw this guy succeed and take steps in the right direction with a very good roster around him, and ever since they've asked him to kind of carry the team on his own, he hasn't really risen to that level, and right. you wonder just with this media market, can he bounce back from that kind of situation? Because it's, it, it's, everyone likes to be the you know the armchair psychiatrist, oh, he looks so depressed, he has no self-confidence. Obviously, you know we don't know what's going on inside his head, no. but... You make a great point about the Jets are a textbook on how not to develop a young quarterback. Our other writer, actually, Mike Donnelly, wrote a great article yep. about this over the summer. And, yep. you know, switching his top three receivers every single year of his career, <laughs> letting your offensive line deteriorate, thinking that Sean Green is this elite bell cow 1,500-yard back when Absolutely. he's not. And then, again, refusing to address the pass rush, your defense gets worse and worse every year. Yep. Like, can we give this guy some help? All you did for him this offseason was bring in a huge circus distraction with yep. Debo. Nothing yeah. else. I mean, it's like it's uh, after the 2010-2011 season when they lose that championship game to Pittsburgh, Okay, he has a set of receivers he's clearly comfortable with. And it, we've talked about it ad nauseum. With the road win in Indianapolis and the road win in New England, he was the best, better quarterback on the field. Exactly. guys named Manning and Brady. And those performances get swept under the rug by people who, but, you know. But why does why does it, this is, you know, now in week 14, this is where we go crazy. Why does the front office change what is clearly working? He comes out of that playoffs as an emerging, like even exactly. Bill Simmons said, maybe maybe I was wrong about Sanchez. You don't, you don't maybe go to, he can yeah, play. You don't go to Foxborough in January and throw three touchdowns and don't throw the ball for once and win a playoff and game. And beat a 14-2 team. Exactly. By unless, the there's some, unless there's something there, some semblance of right. talent. And That's why he won I those can't, two playoff I games. can't give up on yeah, He won those two playoff games. He had four great comeback wins that season. Yep. And what, what we saw after you know, that offseason was the Jets starting to chase names instead of needs. Plaxico Burris, better story than Braylon Edwards. Oh. You know, he tweaked the Giants, grabbed some headlines. Derek Mason, bigger name than Jericho Cotri, although Cotri himself wanted out after the Plaxico signing, you know, yep. understandable from his perspective. And then saying, yeah, we could replace Damian Woody with Wayne Hunter. That's just poor self-scouting. That's watching your film and making a misevaluation. Saying Sean Green could be the only guy next year. That's a misevaluation of your own talent. And it's just, it's finally added up and came back to haunt them. They got so wrapped up in chasing Namdi Asawa. Would have been a great name, big story. Had the two best cornerbacks in the league. While all that happened, Brad Smith left, Jericho Cotri left, Braylon Edwards left, Damian Woody left, and they didn't even come up with that one. They had to Tony Richardson for Antonio Cromartie yep. after that chase. What's that, Cal? No, I said Tony Richardson. Richardson. Tony you know they they didn't replace the fullback position. No, no, they they replaced him with John. My least favorite Jets, John Connor. I, I thought it was Kyle Wilson. Kyle, oh man. The finger wave? The finger wag Wilson. I was thinking about doing it tonight. It's just the first a first round corner who just can't cover anybody and who just continues to celebrate himself when he's getting routinely beat up and down the field drives me crazy. Cal, go ahead, and then I have something. No, that was it. Okay, my my thing with Kyle Wilson, and it goes to the Tannenbaum thing, and this is what I want to talk about with Mike Tannenbaum. You wrote a great another great article on TOJ about self scouting Mm -hmm. and about how and I I took issue with I think it was Chris Gross's. Uh, one of his articles on Turn on the Jets about it was a great article. It was really what was the really long one he wrote about uh, the one of sticking up for Rex Ryan recently, where yeah. he kind of detailed yeah. the lack of talent in the roster. Yeah, and I and I was gonna write a comment. I said, you know, we're gonna have Joe on the show in two weeks. I'll ask him. <laughs> but what Chris neglected to mention there, and I think it's a huge thing. Now I think they should bring back Rex. I think the guy that they should fire is Tannenbaum. Cal, I think you agree. Yes. Uh, if they're going to fire one guy, it's Tannenbaum. I don't have a problem with them getting rid of Rex Ryan, but I'll give him another shot. Right. 
But the guy who has to go. Tannenbaum has to go. So the issue I had with Chris's article, and it was really good, was Rex Ryan has to take a hit for exactly what you wrote about, which is the self-scouting. And I thought Kyle Wilson was a great example. Because to me, the way that goes down in the draft, and maybe I'm wrong, I'm not in the room, obviously. I wish I was. Yeah, it would be nice. But But the, the way that goes down is, Rex Ryan makes his recommendations to Mike Tannenbaum and says, "Oh, we got to get another corner. We play Peyton, okay, and all that stuff, and you know, we play Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and all that stuff and that kind of stuff. And so you got to go get me another corner." Mm-hmm. And Mike Tannenbaum's not a strong enough football guy to say to him, "You know what, Rex? I'm not going to get you another corner. You have two great corners. You can build at a, you know, you you can use guys in the secondary that you pick up. You can make Ellis Langster a player, mm-hmm. okay? We need to get a pass rush." Yes. Okay, so I know how to build a football team. Mike Tannenbaum doesn't have the, the, the gravitas no. or the football knowledge to overrule him. So I think Rex needs to take a hit on that because I can coach up Brian, you know, I can coach up Kyle Wilson. I can get by with Brian Thomas. I can get by with Calvin Pace. I can, you know, th- he has to take a hit for the self scouting and the arrogance that goes along with it. Yeah, I think something that I've been talking about a lot because we've actually gotten a big debate on this. Twitter last week, you know, we don't know exactly where Rex, you know, weighs in in the middle of the personnel process, but it's that ego. It's saying, we don't need a pass rusher. You know, Brian Thomas can handle it. Aaron Maven, I found him off the scrap. He, I'll coach yeah. him up. He'll be a 10-sack guy. He's Look cut at after us. Eight weeks. Look yeah. at us. You know, John Connor. That, John yeah. Connor, that was my pick. That's a fourth-round pick who can't play in the NFL. He's gone now. Or, right. you know, advocating for all these cornerbacks, and you miss on Kyle Wilson. And that, you look at that 2010 draft. They left with four players from that draft. Kyle Wilson, Vlad Dukas, Joe McKnight, and John Connor. That has to be one of the worst draft classes right. in the NFL in the last ten yeah. years. They got nothing out of it. And you only left with four players. You can't build depth in that way. And that's why people like Garrett McIntyre and Ricky Sack right. and Ellis Lester play your thirty five snaps yeah. a game on this defense. That's where like the Simpsons comic book guy is standing by and going, Worst <laughs> draft ever. That two thousand ten draft right. it perfectly. He's got, he's got like the jet shirt on, his stomach hanging out. <laughs> Worst draft ever. Okay. <laughs> and everybody in the room has to take a hit for it on yeah. some level. They're yeah, all... and, and, and that to me, and Brian, you and I have talked about this a ton, that to me speaks to the idea of Rex as a defensive coordinator and not a head coach. Because it's especially glaring to me on offense. Right. Especially if you're going to say that, oh, you know what, Sanchez, we, don't worry about chemistry. Don't worry about any of that stuff. We get by with Plexico Burris. We get by with Derek Mason. Right, Cal? I mean, oh, yeah, but the thing with Rex is that we always use the excuse that he was a new head coach. Yeah. He's, new to the, he's new to the role. He's a great defensive coordinator. He's great on one side of the ball. But to run an entire team and to lead the team, he needs some work. And now we're in year four, and he really hasn't shown the growth that you want to see out of him. No. Checking the specs uh, <laughs> on the end line for the rotary girder. I'm retarded. Our uh, our esteemed uh, third wheel, uh, the Bishop Pop Culture PJ, has very correctly likened Rex Ryan to Tommy Boy. Oh boy! I mean, he is Tommy Boy. Holy <laughs> Just checking the specs on the girders. I'll be over here. I just I love defense and beer. Uh, he I don't think I think he's reg- and I said this a couple weeks ago. I think he's regressed as Sanchez has regressed. 
Yeah, I really do. I really think Sanchez has taken a step back, and Rex Ryan has taken a step back as a head coach. I, I think it's looking like he really missed with this offensive coordinator choice. Oh. Apparently, his fingerprints were all over this, and this... they didn't even stay interviewed Todd Haley for like eight minutes. And, and staying with the same quarterback coach, and well, that, that's that, but you know the story there, right? Uh, what what that they couldn't get anybody to take the job. Nobody wants who wants to come work on an offensive staff where you have no interest in offense. You just play defense. <laughs> Well, I mean, they minimized. brought that, that. I I don't know if that's true, but you read that. Well, they brought well, they right? brought in two or three different candidates. They just couldn't close it. And they, all these guys left they had lesser to bring jobs. Back, they had You're to right. bring back Kavanaugh, and Kavanaugh expected to leave because why not? You you know you let you lose Schottenheimer <laughs> and he just comes back still. And this guy has never developed any quarterback in his life, and no. he's still your quarterback coach, including himself. Exactly. <laughs> I'm surprised he's not an option to start a quarterback. Right, Cal, did you see that tweet the other uh, – I think it was today. It was by one of your boys, one of the Turn on the Jets guys, with, uh, where Kavanaugh did a press conference oh, the other day. Awful, awful. <laughs> and, the, and the tweet was like, I wouldn't let him order lunch. <laughs> I wish that about his opinion. I wish that Kavanaugh even order what we're going to eat for lunch, let alone order up uh, the, the offensive plays. Yeah, he's carrying on praising Sanchez's development. Right. Good job, everybody. Good job. Right. And then he, and then the first pass he throws after that comment is an interception. That was just—he knew right from that pass that it was going to be one of those. Sanchez did you, days. Joe? Did you see though the Cardinals quotes, the defenders? What did, would they say something along the lines that they knew they could rattle Sanchez? Or no, 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 no. It was unbelievably complimentary of Sanchez. Before or after the game? After the game, the defensive line and Kerry Rhodes said it as well. I, it was a defensive lineman. I can't remember his name. His quote is, you're going to love this. I can't believe you didn't see this. I mean, obviously, it got pushed to the side yeah. with all the McElroy stuff. Yeah. Sanchez, I, I said, I don't know if the, the change made any sort of difference. And he said, I don't know why they would pull Sanchez. He knew every one of our plays on the first two series. He called out our defenses on the first two series, on every play. I mean, I, he, said, I, he said, it's clear that the guy does his homework. Yeah, I don't think that's ever really been a question with Sanchez. I think those kind of reports or quotes, I think, were overstated. Everything I've ever heard. But that heard surprised is, yeah. me, though. That's what he, he's seeing the defense probably. He's just not. He can't react to it. It's just, that's it. Like, it almost looked like. Like, I think that was more frustrating before, to me. Like, I'm like, you read the defense and you still threw a pick. Before he throws the ball, it almost looks like he knows. Like, it's where, it. Like, right. he's just letting it go and he, he, looks, he looks scared. That first well, play. Like but the Cumberland pick. Right, yeah, the yeah. second pick. Is that Cumberland or is that Sanchez? It, it's probably a combination of both, and that's what you get when you're he's playing with it, someone like Jeff Cumberland. That's, that's a bad in-cut. Yes. He's got to make that cut and the, in. And the third interception is definitely I mean, just a great play the by third interception. Ridiculous. Yeah, play. unbelievable play. I mean, and, of course, Chad Schillens not fighting for the ball. It's Chad Schillens. Which would I mean, be nice. Playing with Chad Schillens is your I, lo- I love when that ball bounced off his face mask. I mean, it was like, don't throw it to Stonehands. He might as well have had Featherstone across they, his there, helmet. There isn't a team in the NFL that's a worse group of skill position players than the Jets. You know what? I'm watching, guys, I'm watching the Giant-Redskins uh, game last night, right? And quietly pining for RG3 or somebody like him. And I'm watching Pierre Garçon just run all over the field, just run wild. 30 yards to catch. Right, and I forgot how big he is. He's a big, like he's, he's what is he, 6'3"? You know, he's like a big receiver. Flying around, too. Right. Yeah. He was a free agent. Yep. He's out there. We signed Chad Schillens. Nope. Went cheaper receiver and decided to replace, you know, the spotter receiver with a second-round pick who played a triple option. That's, That's why he had 49 total catches in his college career. <laughs> Let's start him. Let's throw him right to the starting line. It's like fine drafting, but bringing a veteran to mentor him for a year. Josh, what could go wrong? That's <laughs> every And Terry Bradway still employed by the Jets. He made that trade. He's still employed. And he took my new pitch second round. Nicely segued, Josh. Thank you. You just brought us to 
the idea of what do they do with Tannenbaum? Because I think he's the fall guy. Guys, do you think... Cal, you disagreed with me on this, I thought, maybe, that they slide him into another position. I know we, we want him gone. Yes, the Jets have this long history of not firing people, but just demoting them. Right. Should have mm-hmm. fired Terry Bradway because he traded for Doug Jolly, took Mike Nugent in the second round, traded a second round pick for Justin McCarrens, all fireable offensive. <laughs> still, <laughs> one of us. organization still heavily involved in the personnel decisions. Bob Sutton was a terrible defensive yep. coordinator. Let's, still a linebacker. Let's keep coach. him around. Matt Cavanaugh, again, they couldn't fire him. He's still on the team. So now he makes a mean gravy. Let's yeah. keep him around. And now it's going to be don't <laughs> fire Tannenbaum, make him the salary cap guy. But what has he done with the salary cap? He guaranteed all his money to Sanchez and Holmes. They can't move their contract. Guaranteed all his money to Scott and Pace, so they have to keep him on the roster this year. And now the Jets are in salary cap hell. Calvin Pace, I, I love when uh, you uh, – is it Chris Gross who breaks down the defensive yes, film every he, week? Uh, he's, For those of you listening, go to uh, www.turnonthejets.com, and we're going to talk about Turn on the Knicks. I know we only have you for another couple minutes, but turnonthejets.com, one of uh, uh, Joe's writers, breaks down the defensive film, and he breaks it down play by play, and and he's killer at it. Yeah, he played ball. He played played at Union College, actually, Division III. We have a couple Division III athletes. I know you, and I I went to Dayton. There you go. I went to UD. We used to play Union. Hey, we support D3 athletes all up and down Turn on the Jets. I went to, in fact, Union beat the crap out of us one year, yeah. and that was saying something because UD had a great football team. Yeah, he played. We won the Stag Bowl many a time. I really. That's yeah. like that's Val Union now. It's where uh, Garcon went actually. Yeah, that's right. Deep receivers, but yeah, he played. Uh, he played defensive end at Union, so he loves. Yeah, he breaks down, down the film. film, guys. He kills it. Like he breaks down the film play by play, and he tweets every play. And he, you know, this which guy's got it's great stuff. And you break down the offensive film and yeah. stuff. And who's the Steve Hunter guy. Oh, he's very good as well. We're, we're, we're trying to pick. We're trying to pick him up in the yeah. offseason. Don't want to. He's going to have huge contract plans, but, yeah, we don't have we don't have a ton of money <laughs> under the salary cap. It's another guy, guys, that breaks down film online for the Jets. He's actually in London, right? Yeah. Also, he says we think he's actually like right. lives in Hoboken and just goes to London. But <laughs> yeah, have- he, he made a he, he had a tweet the other day, guys, where he was like, uh, "I fancy some eggs." We're like, "Oh, he must be in London. Yeah. Must be." I don't think he's thrown any of us off. Right. I fancy a bacon, egg, and cheese. I'm like, oh, that guy's British. <laughs> Nobody would say that and then break down football film. Well, right. Yeah. Whilst eating, eating a bacon, egg, and cheese. Oh, dear. Yeah. Oh, goodness gracious. It's sweaty in here. Not a standard. Uh, That's how I picture him talking, though. Don't you, Cal? What? I sort of picture him talking that way, like when he's breaking down the field. And there's Wilkerson. Oh, dear. What a play. He's obviously wearing an ascot. He's wearing an ascot. He got good leverage there. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, anyway, uh, with a pipe. <laughs> with a pipe, right? Smoking your pipe. Uh, you guys do a, a great job breaking down the film. When, if if they do move on from Tannenbaum and bring in a football guy and keep Rex, I'm just going to throw this out there. Sanchez uh, to New Orleans. We pick up half the salary for Mark Ingram. I mean, it wouldn't hurt because any running back now would be an upgrade over. Right. You know what we have. I, mean, I think Ingram's a guy who actually came on pretty strong finally this year. But, you know, we were asking for Chris Ivory all in the beginning of the year. He was inactive yep. the first six weeks. And you watch him play in New Orleans, like, wow. We, wow, he's far better than Sean Green. He really is a guy who can break a tackle, actually, and not just put his head down and almost give himself a concussion every time there's a defender in front of him. Cal, um, the last four games of the season, uh, and then I want to talk to Joe about Turn on the Knicks because that's the new website he's doing. With the sister website. Yeah, well, we haven't decided their official relationship, but something like that. Brother, sister, <laughs> Third like cousin that. once yeah, removed. It's going to be in the family. Website, so. right. Yeah. Well, you're Italian, so it could be anything. Exactly. Like, <laughs> I have fifth cousins once removed that, I'm, that are like, you know, brothers and sisters to me. <laughs> They're all family. That's right, Cal. And then first cousin... 
that on air. That should have been Joe's intro music, without a doubt. Hey, all right. You take it a cash? I like it a cash. Um, going forward, last four games of the season, um, uh, they're not going to make the playoffs. No, they have a, I believe I saw today a three percent chance of making right. the playoffs. All they're going to do is ruin draft position. Probably, yeah. That would that would make the most sense. And then we'll hear the end of the year press conference where Tannenbaum gets his job back. He says, "Well, we were eight and eight. We had Revis and Holmes. You know, who knows what our record is? We were probably ten and six. Probably could have won the division. And yeah. nothing gets changed. And that's right. We, well, we have well, the same Cal, conversation next year. Cal, time. you've been saying that all along, right? That that's going to be what he relies on to keep his job. Yeah, I just I I just worry that they're they're not going to do the right thing. I don't know why I have that worry, but. Gee, 40, why, 40, 50 why, years. <laughs> why could you possibly have that worry? I have no faith. Yeah, I, I, I think that they're going to have. To, I, it's difficult to predict. I think any sort of predictions with the Jets uh, are are premature because they should fire the GM. Yes. So, like any prediction after that, we'll see if they don't fire the GM. Then we'll see what we have. It, it would common sense would seem to point at how untalented this roster is, and you know, yeah. move to firing the GM. But again, if they finish eight and eight or nine and seven, you're going to hear that spiel that well, we were out our two best players all year, right. and we still won eight or nine games, which really is a credit probably to more to Rex Ryan, you know, getting something out yeah. of this roster. But you give know, me you, give me two things you're looking for these last four games. On offense, I'd like to see you know Stephen Hill continue to get better. Yeah, catch the ball, not have a drop. You know, every week uh, it's important because you know, he's with the be catching, a, he's going to be yeah. a starting receiver next year. He's a second round pick. With the receiving part of the wide yeah. receiver, it's important because you know Curley's developed in his second year. If Hill does the same thing and Holmes comes back healthy, he's going to be on the roster as well. Right. And you have the makings of a decent he does, receiver. He does the wide really good. He does. He can. Stan Str- apparently he's a great blocker too. Rex loves talking about yeah, how good a blocker he's a tremendous blocker, receivers are, right. which is the only, the Jets are the only team in the league who looks for receivers who block instead of catch. <laughs> you know, Chaz Schillens, okay, you guys is doing all those things. You know, and you don't see that stuff, okay? But you know, I think you know all that stuff. It's the twenty first century in the NFL, and the Jets are still trying to win games. You know, six yeah. to three, seven yeah. to six. And meanwhile, RG three, uh, Andrew Luck guys are flinging the ball all over the yard. Yeah, flinging it to receivers who run patterns and catch passes and do That's those nice. standard things for receivers. But yeah, Stephen Hill, I I totally agree on offense. Um, and then defense. I mean, defense has been really nice to see how Muhammad Wilkerson yeah. turning into actually a Pro Bowl player that we had him hyped up to be coming to the preseason. Very rarely Rex's hype actually comes to be true, <laughs> and this you know looks that way. I mean. Really defensively, I'd like to see Demario Davis and Quentin Colvis yeah, play where, more. Where is, where, they played. They barely played last game. Why? I I don't know. I mean, Rex is just loyal to his guys and says, you know what, Bart Scott and Calvin Pace and you know Mike DeVito give us the best chance to win this week. And maybe he's right for this week, but you got to realize you're not going to the playoffs this year. Demario Davis is starting next to David Harris next year. Given the reps now, Copel's needs to be a big factor on your defense line. You just spent a first-round pick. Look, I don't understand why he's not a – I mean, he played 19 snaps in the Patriot game. It's just 19 snaps. Inexcusable. Come it's, on. It's, it's against a pass-happy team. That's why you drafted him, to rush the passer. And I understand, you know, Chris points out all this time that Pace and Cole – I mean, I'm sorry, Wilkerson and Copels get double and triple team because teams say, let Calvin Pace and Brian Thomas run at our quarterback. <laughs> they're never going to get there. They they're, they're, can't get out to the quarterback. And it's hurting Wilkerson and Coble's production because they get sure. double teamed. So this team needs an outside linebacker to free those guys up. Yeah. Cal? Yeah. The only thing I have, and I'm contractually obligated to bring it up, is uh, Tim Tebow. Is, uh, wait, Tim wait, Tebow... wait. When did you sign a Tebow contract? Oh, you didn't sign that? No. I did it not was... get that. I inter-officed it to you earlier today. so yeah. It was probably on the inter-office memo about us canceling the Christmas party. Well, uh, did you tell the staff yet? 
Um, does Tebow, Joe, does Tebow ever play again for the Jets at this point? I don't think so. I think the safe bet is no. I think he'll probably be – I wouldn't be surprised if he was inactive the rest of the season. I think he doesn't – certainly doesn't start the rest of the year. I doubt he takes a snap the rest of the year, and I think he's 100% gone next season. Your, your gut now, in week 14, was it all Woody Johnson? I, I think it was 90 to 100% Woody Johnson. Yeah. I think he saw this opportunity out there, and you know, I think he pushed it, you know, shoved it down the throat of Tannenbaum and Rex, because we hear this, like, funny little story from Tannenbaum, yeah. how they were in the airport, and, like, oh, they found out yeah, he was available, they and they talked about it. <laughs> they were at Cinnabon. It, and, it's uh, complete BS, because... We saw from week one that they had no reasonable plan on how to use him. And Tony Sprano says, well, we had, we had about 10 to 15 Tebow plays. So, I mean, that's it. After all 10 summer, to 15 that's, plays. That's all you could come up with. So You're working with the guy for four months. It's, it's you know what? We got a nice play. We got a couple of nice plays drawn up. It, it's, it was a complete waste, and it's a shame. Yeah. I mean, I, even, I feel for the guy most, and all, you know, his fans, yeah. all the supporters of him, and the, he's got to go somewhere else. He's never going to play here, and he's gonna, he's, they're going to let go of him this offseason because they will they can't trade Sanchez, and they can't trade Thibault because nobody wants these guys. Well, I've made no secret. Look, I, I have disliked the guy for – not the guy. I've disliked the idea of the guy for over a year since his legend began to build like Billy Jean yes. uh, for you know the Broncos last year. And I hated that they brought him to this organization for two really? reasons. One, it was clearly a PR move. Mm-hmm. And two, it was going to do nothing but be detrimental to the development of the guy I wanted to be the number one quarterback. And the guy that just gave $8 million guaranteed and dollars. And they gave $8.3 million guaranteed dollars to. You know what we're going to do? We're going to get rid of all your receivers. We're going to give you a crap running back. And we're going to bring in the most polarizing backup quarterback we possibly can. Good luck. Go get him. It's like you can't even make it up. Right? It's <laughs> unbelievable. And then they smacked him on the ass and said, go get him. It's Textbook on how to develop a young quarterback. There might never have been a worse job than someone trying to develop a quarterback in their system. Than bring, so, uh, yeah, the so, only thing worse would have been if they tried to make him throw left-handed. <laughs> like, Mark, you know what you should try this year? The ambidextrous thing. Everybody's doing it. It might be at that point if he ends up starting this year. <laughs> well, he, uh, that, that last game was quintessential uh, Mark Sanchez. It was like three great throws, like the back shoulder throw to Curly, and he makes this throw, and then he throws a ridiculous pick where he's under pressure and he throws the ball up for grabs on the first play of the game, or he throws that ball that bounces off Schilling's face mask, and he throws like three great passes, and then he undercuts a throw on the in cut to Cumberland because he's going there the entire time. Yep, locked in. And the complete Sanchez. Yeah, total, it was just, the inconsistency is madness. Yeah, it's he's so handsome. That, I, I mean, think that's the problem. I mean, you even saw it like in that earlier New England game, the first one in New England. He played great that entire game, except for that yeah. one horrible interception in the end zone of Stephen Hill. But you just, at this point, you expect him not to make those not two to make or that three throw, horrible right. mistakes. And, and, he and let me ask you a question. If Stephen Hill catches that pass against New England, uh, or if, I'll, I'll even go further, if Chaz Schillens catches that pass on the second series of the game, yep. And they have first and goal at the eight-yard line, and he just hit a 40-yard bomb to Chad Shillings on a perfectly thrown ball down the left sideline. Or if Nick Folk hits his two field goals. Or if Nick Folk hits two field goals. Yeah. Are we having this conversation? Probably not. I think if Folk hits those field goals and Shillings makes that catch, the Jets win 10-6 or 7-6 with Sanchez. Right. And, and they go on, and then away we go. That's, uh, you know, that's just the situation. It's, it's good times. It's good times. I'm so glad I picked this team. It's It's been – I mean, the thing is – most people's expectations coming to this year was that this was a seven and nine to nine and seventeen. It's just been the way it's happened. It's getting humiliated like that to New England. It's getting blown out by Miami, who's an average team at home. It's the embarrassing Niners. yourselves against the Niners. And then beyond that, we've seen like 
time the team we thought they'd be. They beat up on the weak, weaker opponents. Right. They played Houston tough. They should have beat New England in New England, but those embarrassing performances have made it that much worse. And they're going to probably finish 8-8. Eight and eight. Most people probably thought they were an 8-8 right. eight team. It's just, been it's the way just how they've gone about exactly. it. Yeah. And, Cal, I have to uh, throw a quarter in the jar because I just said, oh, I lamented the fact that I picked the Jets. And you know what? I picked the Jets. There's 30 other, or, you know, 29 other teams. If I don't like it, I should pick another team. That's right. Yeah, I said it last week. I said, oh, Jet fans saying, oh, I'm embarrassed to be a Jet fan. Well, then go pick another team. You could be a Lions or Eagles fan. I think That's they right. might be a bigger circus than the Jets right I, now. You never hear about Browns. it. Browns. Browns. That's right. I, Chargers. Know, Jet fans, I'm going to say this, and I said it last week, and I'll say it again. Jet fans are the worst. They're the absolute worst. There are plenty of teams who have had it worse than the Jets the last exactly. 10 to 15 years. And, and not only that, that like I said this last week, Joe, and, and uh, Brian and I talked about it a ton, and it was based on the article that you had from the Buffalo Bills fan, mm-hmm. Kevin Kelly? Kevin, yeah, actually a guy I work with over at uh, at AOL, actually. Who wrote, wrote Cal, a great article. A terrific. Tremendous. He's spot on. And the point of the article was, he's a Bills fan, and the point of the article was, uh, we're not laughing at the Jets, we're laughing at Jet fans reaction to the Jets. Like, nobody around the league thinks that the Jets are that big of a laughing stock. we got our own problems. We're laughing at how you guys react to them. And it's true. It's true. It hasn't been a pretty year for Jet fans, to say the least. <laughs> but you know what? I love them. I'll, I'll get my Mike Augustiniak jersey out. And of just... course. I'll, I'll be there on December 23rd, freezing, watching Philip Rivers <laughs> and Mark Sanchez and Greg McElroy play each other. Cal, what uh, number, Mike Augustiniak? 35. That a boy. Good job. Good job. You want to throw one at me just because that was me? Oh, I can't. The Lance Mel, that's an easy one, though. 56. Yeah, I know. I talked to Lance Mel once on a, uh, yeah. a show. There was on Cablevision back in the day, they used to have a referee show. And it was on like the. You remember that, Cal? It was like, it was like a the referee Bob Jenkins show. And it was like on the public access. Uh, right. On Cablevision, so it was like super low budget and like. I thought that was a dream I had. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> and it real? was an NFL referee, and they had a guy sitting there, and it was for like local teams, and Lance Mel was the guest linebacker for the Jets, and I was, I think I was twelve, and they used to take calls, and you I called, called, and called in and got through and spoke to Lance Mel. I was twelve. Huh. I asked him why did he – that was in 86 when they started out 10-1, and one, proceeded to lose the last five games of the season. Yeah. And then, then they beat, over time. Right, yeah, they beat Kansas City I heard in the first round. I was born in 87, to be fair. I've heard these stories from my <laughs> uncle and grandpa. Right. <laughs> this is – you missed the weeping. Yeah. Um, and uh, I asked Lance Mel, I said, uh, you guys were 10-1 and one and then a whole bunch of injuries. What's up with that? That was my big question. <laughs> Lance Mel was like, how old are you? <laughs> Should you be in bed? Uh, anyway, uh, real quick, I know we got to let you run. you got to go ball. I do. Upper East Side Adult Men's League Basketball. Cal, he's my so young. Count, my team's count. Oh, he's so young. I'm exhausted. <laughs> I can't even think about walking right now. I, to, be, to be fair, I will be hobbling for the next two to three days after the game. The thought of so the, will we. <laughs> right, right. And we're just doing a podcast. Like the thought of going to play basketball right now? I just uh, got to do something. i got to try to stay in somewhere. Hey, you know what? Bless you. Bless you, Hawk. Oh, but you got a new uh, endeavor going there. Well, I do. I'm so we, first of all, I definitely want to make sure. I, I, who, you mentioned all writers. I want to make sure I shout them all out. They all do terrific work for me. Chris Gross, Mike Donnelly, Chris Saletti, Rob Saletti. And this PJ, is the Oscar accept, yeah. uh, acceptance and, speech. Time. And T.J. Rosenthal also runs the Jet Report, but writes for us from time to time. 
Great staff, you know, greatest staff any you know guy can write, but they really they are. Excited. They are awesome. And you guys got to mention on Boomer and Carton and stuff we like that. We did. That was very exciting. I, my cousin called me. I was freaking out. No, it was nice. But, um, yeah, great staff. I mean, they've really taken the site to the next level with the work they put in every day. And beyond that, I mean, we're going to start actually a sister site or a brother site, whatever you want to call it. Turn on the Knicks probably in January or February. And Millie's site. It's something like that. Right. Yeah, we're going to – same kind of setup, just, you know, be recruiting Knicks writers and trying to find them. And we're actually, for everyone out there who happens to listen, we're going to be expanding our Turn on the Jets staff in the offseason. We're going to bring a couple guys in to work with Chris, doing draft breaks, track breakdown, film nice. breakdown. And, uh, yeah, probably bring in two or three more people who just try to keep growing. And will that be uh, uh, turnonthenicks.com? It will be turnonthenicks.com. I've officially bought the domain from GoDaddy. Three years, only like $20. That's a good deal. It's a good deal. We bought the, the, special. We bought the, we bought the uh, dear me, we're getting the T-shirts made up for RTU. And, we, and uh, you'll love this. We went with your guy. Oh, the guy from uh, Barclays? Barclays, they yeah, did Barclays. Great, they did great work. For Guess what happens? Time. So we get the design. It's all done. Right? This took... Forever, because uh, uh, and not in a bad way. Just one of the graphics was difficult or whatever. He has his designers working on the whole thing, and then Hurricane Sandy hits. Oh, bad timing. I literally okayed the final design on Thursday before the hurricane hits. Right? I said yes, go with it. Beautiful. I had talked to Megan and stuff. I don't hear anything after the storm. Like Sandy hits, I don't hear a word. So now I'm worried for the guy's safety. God, <laughs> I'm emailing him. I'm not hearing anything. I finally get him like two weeks later. The printing press that he uses on Staten Island wiped oh, out. Boy. Gone. I said, you know, we, we've been trying to get T-shirts for three years. And you had them. I got to the precipice, and now they're gone. So he's 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 a good guy. He's Mike. a good guy. He's a, good a really guy. good guy, and he's uh, he's trying. I mean, the poor guy's small yeah. business is ruined. He's like, I got about uh, thirteen orders to fill, and no printer. So uh, we should have the T-shirt sometime in January. Yeah, they did, they did really good work for us. I yeah, was your T-shirt. Awesome. I went. I think we'll probably do the same kind of thing next year. But they, they were very good. I bought. Say. We bought the uh, cow. We bought the the domain name. We wanted to put the uh, website on the back of the shirt. Yeah. So www.rtsports.com. Mm. But we the tagline for the show is New York Sports Talk Nice. Yeah. Because you know it's nice. It's not a big thing. We we'll make a cup of coffee. We make a pot of coffee in the office. We make it nice. That's all. Well, like my grandmother used to say to me, ah, you know what? We're going to have gravy. We're going to have pasta nice. No big deal. <laughs> All right? You want some cookies? It's a nice, wholesome right, so Italian we're family. Nice, yeah. Right, exactly. So we bought the domain name New York NY Sports Talk Nice. Mm-hmm. So we could have www.nysportstalknice.com. But it's, uh, you have to explain it. To every, like, we couldn't just no. put that on couldn't the back no, of the shirt. It would be, uh, be, be tricky. Be, uh, Cal's okay. wife came in at the last minute and was like, I don't understand what you're trying to do. <laughs> there should be an ellipsis there. I don't know what you're doing. It's, it's you know, make the printer work with it. Yeah. It's never hurts to have a woman's opinion on the T-shirt. So try to ask for a couple before we printed ours and <laughs> somewhat decent feedback. Um, last thing, and then uh, we'll let you run. All right. Did you watch uh, – I, I just want to see if you are fitting uh, either Andrew Luck or RG3 for their Canton bust yet. Oh, or, that would be we, nice to have one of them. Right are we now. putting them in the Hall of Fame yet, though? I Not, mean, who do you like out of the two guys? I, I'm leaning a little towards RG3, maybe just because he's fresh in my mind after, after watching that game last night. Yeah. The way they run that offense, that you know, that kind of pistol with the read option, yeah. it's just so hard to defend. I mean, the Giants have as good as a front four as anybody in football, and you could just see them hesitating and not being able to break on the runs or break on RG3. 
Um, you know, Luck's obviously been terrific. That's a weak team that he's brought to eight wins, but he still turns the ball over a lot. Yeah. And his completion percentage isn't at RG3's level yet. I think what we're really decided is that if RG3 gets Washington to the playoffs, I think it's a no-brainer. He's yeah. the rookie of the year. If they finish 7-9, and nine, you know, Luck probably gets it because that team's going to the playoffs. What if they both get right? If they both, they both get in, I, I still wouldn't be surprised if RG3 got He's almost complete 70% of his passes, which is unfathomable to he watch. He had the two. After watching Sanchez yeah. complete 50%. <laughs> He had the. I know we've, we've been so we've been so ruined by seeing Sanchez like go like eight of eleven or uh, like eight of twenty three yeah, for one hundred and fourteen yards, but we won. Yeah, that's the standard Sanchez line, like eight eight of twenty. <laughs> well, I sent you those Tebow lines. Uh, it wasn't getting any better. The uh, best, yeah, the best some angry Tebow fans on Twitter. That sometimes. last game, right? I was trying to help Joe out because these Tebow fans on Twitter were like getting all over him, scary about defending Sanchez and calling for Tebow, and I said. You should show them this line from the last game of the season last year against the Chiefs. Six of 22 for 62 yards two and fumbles. two interceptions yeah. and two fumbles. Um, Joe, we're going to let you run. All right. Uh, my buddy Dan's, Dan, Cal, Dan's here. Oh, great. Ello's here. We may have to bring him in, talk uh, A-Rod's hip. Of course he is. Of course he is. Of course he's here on the night you're not here. Uh, Joe, thank you, brother. Hey, thanks for having me. Anytime. Joe, thanks a lot. PJ, what is with the short, ridiculous intro music? Why is the music so short? I don't. Why did you cut clips for like eight seconds? I don't know why you do that. Uh, Cal, short attention, I think. He did that last week too. Okay. Uh, Great stuff from Joe. So we are again, as a reminder, live at Blue Haven in New York www.bluehavennyc.com. Um, uh, come check us out. We have some friends down here. Um, we're hanging out. We're just talking sports. No big whoop. Um, Cal is not well. <laughs> I'm feeling good now, though. You, you're good. You're good. You're feeling better. I'm feeling better. Are, are you satisfied with the jet talk? We killed an hour there. I'm, I'm so satisfied with it. Joe does such a great job at turning on the Jets and all yep. his guys. And really, good. he's definitely our favorite <laughs> Jet blogger right now. You know what? I was going to bring up a, a, a point that Jeremy, uh, the owner uh, here at uh, Blue Haven, brought up, and you had said about uh, McElroy and Sanchez, and Sanchez's completion percentage. We were just talking about that, and uh, Cal Dearman had said, you know, Sanchez has the same completion percentage he had in 2000. What was it? 2010, 11, when they went 11 and five, but the defense was sixth, and this year the defense is like I think they moved up to like 19th, but. They're nowhere near where they were, yet he has the same completion percentage. That's right. So it just goes to show you, the Jets stink. Uh, <laughs> is, that, is that what we deduced from that? <laughs> That's what we're coming down with. All right, you want to move on to the Giants and Redskins, Brian? I'd, lo- I'd love to. Oh, wow, go for it. Well, hey, I'll, tell you, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because, <laughs> because as I'm watching that game last night, I couldn't help but be jealous. I'm watching. It, I'm, I'm, I'm watching the Redskins, and I'm wa- the fans are going crazy. The atmosphere in the stadium was electric. It was a hard-hitting game. They had this quarterback that was just all over the field, and and I'm sitting there, and it's a, a young team on the rise, and I'm thinking to myself, we have Mark Sanchez and Greg McElroy and Chaz Schillings, and, and you mean just, we don't have a guy they call Baby Jesus? No, 
Yeah. No. Well, they 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 might call somebody baby Jesus, right. but I'm not. Hey, you keep that on another show. All right. <laughs> but our buddy, our buddy them. Jess just said they call him Black Jesus. I said, look. Well. All right, that may work in the small rooms, okay, pal? So we'll take that into Vegas, okay? You'll never play the big rooms that way. <laughs> I'm gonna, t- I'm gonna tell you what I told Don Rickles. All right, keep it clean. Uh, yeah, no, I mean we have we have RG3 envy. Yeah, without a I, doubt. It was, it was almost a little Redskin envy, for some reason. Wow, that's a little bit, a little bit. Brian, do you think that the Giants? Can I, can I contest that? Oh boy, look who it is! Look who it is, Cal. Calvi. Oh. Oh, yes, yes, Dan. How many times have the Redskins made the playoffs in the last 18 years with uh, Daniel Snyder at the helm? Wow. You're jealous of this organization? Look at what it, let's welcome Dan wow. to, the, uh, to the microphone here. Our buddy he's, Dan. He's, he's never been one to shy away from hard-hitting questions. <laughs> uh, uh, Dan, hey, what by else? the way, I like your earmuffs. Thank you. I, I couldn't see them from over there. Yeah, What's up? Nice to be here. Yeah, uh, we're welcoming in our buddy <laughs> Uh, otherwise known as Nello. He's been on the program before. You're no stranger to the RTU. This is love. It's beautiful down here. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's great. Uh, Dan uh, and Cal, this loss for the Giants, though, see, I, I feel uh, sort of stupid because I said this is the classic game that the Giants always win. Again, no chance. They're on the road. Everybody's against them. And they lost. And I don't, I, I don't know... I, boy, I don't know what to make of this Giants team. I don't. I, I don't know what to make of them. Where they can look, they're a great, they're a great matchup against the Packers. They match up great against them because they have a front four that can get to Aaron Rodgers and cause him, you know, disrupt that offense and disrupt that flow and stuff like that. So that's a good matchup for them. I just don't know. So they go and blow that team out. I don't know what to make of this Giants team. Jess, you're a Giant fan. What do you make of this team right now? Really. You didn't uh, jump in here for a sec. Just jump in for a sec. So, uh, buddy Jess, he's a he's a big giant fan. Cal, is our buddy Jess jumping in? Hey, Jess, uh, live from Blue Haven, NYC. Someone should get him some earmuffs. Someone should get him earmuffs, fancy earmuffs. Uh, hey, Jess. Um, so, what? Why did you not have confidence in the Giants in that game? It just seemed like uh, they have to lose another another one or two until they have lost control of their destiny. Okay. And they put it in either the Cowboys or Redskins fans' uh, hands, and then they will probably, you know, put on some kind of run. Do you make, do you make anything of the Eli Manning, the injury? Does it, has, I mean, he's having what is for him a subpar year, Jess. I mean, if you go, you know, and you look at the numbers, I think he threw the ball a lot better yesterday than he did uh, uh, the week before against the Packers, believe it or not. Are you referring to the noodle arm? I am referring to noodle arm. Um, he, he looked better last night. He looked a little more decisive. Um, they got to give him time. He had a couple pockets break down on him. And it seems like some of the receivers are not making plays. Nick still seems a step slow. Um, we'll see. What do you make of this team? Do you, do you like this team? Do you, is this a repeat team? No. It's not? No. Flat out? No. Why? I think I think – I actually think – Atlanta's much better than people are giving them credit for because they haven't performed in the postseason the last few years. Um, I hate them. Go on. Uh, it's not that I've, I just don't think they're a great matchup for the Giants the way with their big receivers, the way Corey Webster's not really playing well. Um, you know what? I think that they're going to end up losing control of their own destiny, and then we'll see what happens. I don't think they're going to they're going to back in if anything. 
do you think that's a symptom of? Um, it's very difficult to repeat. I mean, I mean, it is. They believe they can turn it on at any point, so they wait until they're backed fully against the wall in the corner, that's and a great point. you're just not going to be able to do it every single year. Yeah, that's a great point. And now this this week coming up against New Orleans, it's at Giant or it's at Giant City. It's at MetLife. I almost made this. I almost made it, Cal. Hard. Uh, this is not a good matchup for the Giants. The, the Saints are never a good matchup for the Giants. No. So I, I just felt like when you had you had to kind of stock away those wins and you could you couldn't let the Bengals annihilate you. <laughs> you can't. You couldn't fall behind it. Like even in the games they won against the Browns, you think of every game that they forced themselves to come back. It had to come down to the two or three plays, and they made them in the games they won. Even in the Eagle game, yeah. they were only three or four yards away from winning that game. But those are the wins. You needed to get to 10 wins, and then I thought you would have been in, and then you can kind of turn maybe, it on. Yeah, they just fall, they fall back on that too often that they think they can turn it on, and I think they can underestimate some teams. I still wasn't overly impressed with the Redskins, but RG3 is a – I mean, He's if you're going to rush with four and you're not going to make him – you're not going to make them read anything. You're not going to make right. – it was, it was, we run a very predictable defense. Nobody moves. So, Well, it relies on the athleticism of the front four. I mean, you, when you have a front four like that, when you have talk, when you have JPP, when you have uh, Uminior, you rely on that, uh, that front four. Sometimes it works. Against some teams, it doesn't. If you're not going to make RG3, like you said, like make that second read. Like, they're, they're, you know, I, I was watching that, that one drive where he hits like Garcon over the middle – you know, they're clearly in his own coverage. They're clearly uh, looking, you know, to, to get uh, pressure on RG3 and make it. And he, all he has to do is take three steps and throw the ball. Well, like like the, your colleague before said, it's the, the read option is is ugly for for defensive players. I mean, it's just you saw every time they were so indecisive. And the Giants have had a habit of missing, of not containing this year because they go for the plays. OC plays a little bit for himself. Um, you saw it against the Eagles earlier this year. Every time McCoy broke it aside, you had Collinsworth being like, OC's responsibility here is to contain, and you have a guy who can bounce back out. But I love Collinsworth. You like Collinsworth? I am. I am. I'm a big fan. You on Collinsworth, Dan? Greatly respect him. And how about you, Cal? You like Collinsworth? I like him. <laughs> all right, so we're all in favor. Josh does not care. <laughs> he does like the party. The YouTube video might have been the highlight of the year for him. What's that? You may be better off. He, he just had he had a quote from about fifteen or twenty years ago where they were asking him. He was, uh, I guess, kind of viewed as a little bit of a heartthrob. Uh, oh, being Collinsworth, a, being oh, very a, handsome, uh, being a skill position player, uh, he's kind of Boomer? kind of a kind of a pre Seahorn Seahorn, right? And uh, <laughs> and when they were asking him about you know how, how he's enjoying the ladies, he he went out on a limb and said he likes them kind of stupid. <laughs> so you'll find this on YouTube. You would assume that NBC would have bought a lot of this out, right. but. Uh, you, you'll have to pull that up. Right. Like, somebody's like, Chris, somebody tackle him. You can't. Don't do it. But back in the day, though, I mean, when he's sitting with Jimmy the Greek, I think you could get away with a lot more. Right. <laughs> he didn't know. Yeah, he knew that was going to come back to yeah. bite him. Uh, <laughs> We're not even going to editorialize that. Um, last thing on the Giants, Jeff. I, and I, I, we seldom have Giants fans on, on the show, unfortunately. We've had a okay, we've had cow. We've had Phil... Uh, Soto Ortiz, uh, who's a very good giant writer, used to write for ESPN. We had him on the show a couple of times. But I don't know why the Giants fans, not so much. They don't want to come off. <laughs> I don't know why. I, don't, I can't understand it. Um, but I, I'm interested in your feelings on Eli Manning. Because two Super Bowl MVPs, two rings, 
I still hear from Giant fans who don't who don't like him. I, I don't think you hear that from kind of educated, watch every game, watch every play fans, because I think a lot of the hate, even from people who watch on a regular basis, kind of it has to do with his demeanor. It has to do with a little bit of what people see as a lack of passion that can't change these guys' personalities. I mean, I was hearing the Raiders, co- Raiders GM criticizing Dennis Allen for not showing up. You can't change what these guys are made of. Yeah. Eli's played his best when the game is on the line, so he's kind of earned enough credibility with me where I just don't – you can't you can't go against him. You can't go against Coughlin. You expect a lot of what happens, and I think you're prepared for the inevitable three or four bomb games, and he's, he's just not at the consistent level of the other – top four or five quarterbacks in the league, but there's not a, a quarterback even close I think you'd rather have in the playoffs. Yeah. So I can't, I, he's just kind of beyond reproach for me. I don't criticize him, but I I'm, I take those two or three wart games every year, and I expect them. Name names, Steve. Well, listen, Mike Mike Tirico last night said that he is the greatest giant quarterback of all time. Where do we stand on that? You know what, I'm, I'm a little bit young, so I can't say that I remember watching Sims in his heyday. I've seen the numbers. He obviously came to play in the playoffs, but I think you're talking about a Giants team then that was the best defense in football every year. I think they had, obviously they had guys who were kind of revitalizing positions. I wasn't... He's I mean, gotta he's, be. He's gotta be. It, it, it's hard to say, because it's, it's, the Super Bowls, I think, speak for themselves. I think Sims has two, or Hostetler had the second one? Hostetler had the second one. Oh, it's, Sims got hurt in week 11. So, I mean, it's, it's hard because he's going to end up with the numbers. He's gonna he's obviously been he's an Iron Man, and, and he's got the two rings days. in, I think, a, a much more, obviously a league that has a lot more parity than it used to. So I think you're going to have to give him the nod at this point. And it's yeah. a great question. And, what do you, where, and I where think, do you go, Tim? I think they're both great championship quarterbacks, but you got to ask yourself, what would Sims do in this environment with the way offenses are run now? That's a great point. And would they have comparable numbers? Yeah. Like, yeah. like, could Sims, you know, sit back there and sling the ball the way Eli Manning has? His accuracy obviously was out of this world. Yeah. For that day and age, but I, it's hard to say. I mean, the, that's a great. It's a great question. It really is because the NFL is so different now. You know, except for the Jets. Uh, it was such run-oriented offense. Yeah, that was that was Otis Anderson and and you know uh, you know uh, more Joe Morris and stuff like that. Like it was such a different NFL then, where you could run the ball fifty times in a game and just play great defense and you'd win forty-five to three. You know because your defense would have five turnovers or whatever. It's such a different. Uh, Cal, what do you think? Do you think is it Eli? I. I, I think if you judge it by Super Bowls, it's hard. It's hard to argue with Eli, and and we've he's fresh in our mind too. So it's very easy for us to look at Eli and say that you know he's such a clutch quarterback right now. Yeah. But Phil Simms was very good. No, he was. He was. I mean, you can make the argument Phil Simms is a borderline Hall of Fame quarterback. The the argument is there. He has better numbers than Joe Namath. You know, Joe Namath is in the Hall of Fame because of what he meant to football. You know, he's not in for his numbers. Uh, and we've talked about this on the show before. When it comes to Namath, you're talking about a different NFL there, too. You're talking about the AFL where they threw the ball 55 times to the game. And if you had four picks but you had four touchdowns, it was a good game. You know, it's a very different NFL, too. But I, I think it's got to be Eli because I don't see Phil Sims existing in this 
current NFL and throwing for 5,000 yards. I, I just, I can't, he just was not that kind of quarterback for me. Well, I think that's a different question. If you're comparing whether he could play nowadays, it's hard to, to yeah, necessarily no, say. It's I, a newer question. Right? Again, he had the, I think if you put him in a, a Patriot-style spread him offense, could he sit there and complete Maybe. 66, 65% of his passes? And just hit the tight ends all day. Absolutely, Correct. but I, I just, from for the way Eli's played when, at no point did they have the best team in any of these years. They might have had the deepest team, and they probably peaked both years at the right time, which is, you know, something you remember more from baseball than you do from the NFL when right. these guys are winning. But I, you have to give it to, I think, Eli. I think it's it's hard to even a lot of times give these other guys credit who he's outplayed consistently. I mean, it, it's the stats are the one thing because, I mean, you see that obviously Romo, it's a big deal that Romo now passed Aikman. So, I mean, yeah, but who are you taking? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's how you play in the second season, and Eli's right. reputation is obviously beyond reproach. Yeah, it is. It is. Cal, I had I had one more thing while I have you two guys, and we're talking about quarterbacks, and I asked Joe this. Okay. And, you know, Josh, you could chime in too, all right? You're sitting over here like a lump on a log, all right? <laughs> you don't get a microphone, Josh. We don't, we don't have insurance. We don't have that seven-second delay. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> this ain't the Howard Stern program, Josh. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> who are you taking, RG3 or Luck? I, I give you a team, Jess, I give you a team tomorrow, RG3 or Luck? RG3, I think we're heading towards a Jason K. Grant Hill co rookie of the year award. But that's oh, what I, I think it's, I think each guy has, I People criticize the Colts. I think they did a good job. You, you still gave him the veteran receiver. They're playing better, and obviously you can't eliminate this Chuck Strong thing from a young team is now buying right. into everything. You kind of have like the college rah still, There's still guys there on defense and stuff like that. I mean, Free's still there. I mean, the defense is not good, but there's still enough guys to make plays there. They kept uh, Reggie Wayne. They, you know, they, Look, the kid is great, but... Uh, all right, all right. I just, I, th- you know what? It's hard. It's hard because I think that Shanahan is putting this, is putting RG three in a better position, yeah. which might be the reason I'm picking him right now because it seems like you gave this guy probably a quarter of his college playbook. Right. You're kind of changing the way. I mean, you're forcing teams to react to him, but it's his accuracy is there. He's not making guy, bad decisions. Exactly. The guy also has a way. I think he has RG three has a way better head. Uh, for the game than they thought he did. When you when you you have him being compared with Vic, based on obviously physical similarities, but he's so he, light years ahead of it. But again, yeah. and then you have Luck being compared to Peyton Manning. So I think where you're anchoring their comparisons is where I think people are right giving a Luck a little bit. I don't know. It, it's such it's such a close call. But I think watching RG three being an NFC Giants fan, NFC East fan, yep. and seeing him play Good more, luck. it's <laughs> the next. Ten and years. I keep I kept saying it before the last after watching him in the first game, it was like if D'Angelo Hall isn't arguably the dumbest player in <laughs> in the league, I, I just was like that play. I, those are the kind of games that I feel like why I'm not overly confident the Giants. They've made plays that you don't they don't deserve. They don't deserve right. to win the first game against the Redskins. Right. And again, they, they 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 make the plays, but that magic isn't going to be there every time you go for it. Right, Dan, RG three, luck. It's a pick 'em. <laughs> you can't go pick 'em. Make you got to make a choice here. From what we see right here, these guys are going to have unbelievable careers, and um, it's really I think it's it's a matter of style. You know, RG three 
um, does things that you know that that Vic could do, uh, and that it, he has skills that most quarterbacks don't have. So he, he's an incredibly exciting player to watch. Um, so based on that, you know, stylistically, you might want to pick RG three, but it it does look like Luck is basically l- like a mini Manning. Manning part two. It's it's unbelievable. It's, and it's unbelievable how prepared these rookie quarterbacks yeah. are now to excel immediately in the league. So we're not, you know, we're becoming, this is now the trend, and we're seeing the best crop we've ever seen in the last, you know, five, six years. Um, they're going to have great careers, and I think in ten years, they're both going to have a, a Super Bowl, and it's right. still going to be a, a pick em. You'll be writing about, somebody tweeted this the other day, it was a sports writer tweeted the other day, and I thought it was really uh, prescient and, and, like, really cool. He's like, I don't know where I'll be writing in ten years, but I'll be writing about the draft class of 2012 <laughs> because that's how good these two guys are. Cal, what do you got? I, you know, it's going to be like bench. <laughs> it's going to be like uh, it's going to be like Manning and Brady for the next ten years. You know, you're going to look at both of them. You can. It's like Dan said. It's stylistically, you might like RG3 because he runs a lot, <laughs> or. You might prefer Andrew Luck because he's safer. He's not going to make as many mistakes. Who are you taking, Cal? Oh, you Scott, want to know? Scotty Waffle. Taking? Oh, I I would take Andrew Luck. Really? Yes. That surprises me. Because he's a little more conservative. And you are a little more conservative. Well, you're a little bit buttoned up. You are. I don't know about the way he's throwing the ball this year. <laughs> well, not this year, but let's Josh we'll grow into it. Who you like? Jets. But with that being said, I would go with the pure pocket passer of Andrew Luck because in this league, these quarterbacks are going to take hits. And the team that runs the ball with their quarterback have shown they do not last. That's a, you know what? So, that's a great point. It, absolutely. What precedent is there for a, for a long-lasting career? Uh, when you play that in, way. In, when you play that way. And there's not great precedent. So if you're a GM and you're thinking Randall Cunningham? over a decade. He never won. And, and the other thing about Randall Cunningham is he was more – he was less of a hybrid than, than these guys are, I think. I think he was. I think they tried to make him a pocket passer. And the – the when when Randall Cunningham would scramble, it was improvisation. When these guys – like, they're running RG3 as a pistol. I mean, they're, they're running a read option with RG3 where – or Cam Newton, for example, as well. You know, Cam Newton is, is also, you know, don't forget everybody loved Cam Newton last year. I still like Cam Newton quite a bit. Um, you know, Cam Newton can do a lot of those things, and he's bigger than RG3 and maybe can take a little more punishment. But they're designing offenses. I don't think Randall Cunningham's offense was ever designed for the running that he did. I think his running was improvisational, whereas RG3... That's what a running quarterback did back then, right? right? I mean, that's, that's right. what Steve Young used to do. Absolutely. Steve Young is another great example, then, because here's a guy who was the best running back on his team at any given time. And, you know, somebody said this. Oh, I can't remember who said it, but it was a great... Everybody wants... It may may have been Boomer Sison on uh, Boomer Carton. So everybody wants Tebow to be Steve Young. He's never going to be Steve Young. He has the running ability. He has the same running ability. Debatable. He has the same, he has the same football mentality, though. He does have the same running ability. I would agree with that. 
He cannot throw the football. He is never going to be Steve Young. I think Tebow's the better comparison is probably Peyton Hillis. Yeah. Watching him throw. I mean, I think I think people people like that. Oh, they're they're both lefties. They, like, they both have decent arms. That's right. Tim Tebow has just as much in common with Michael Vick as he does with Steve Young. Yeah, but that, I'm saying like, you, but you want Tebow to be Steve Young, and he's never going to be able to throw the ball that way. But Steve Young is another great example of offenses were not designed for these guys to do that. You know, now they are. Now they're taking advantage of Cam. You can run the read option. You can run the pistol 25 times a game. And, and have it be effective because these guys can pass out of it. I, I think it's there. If you recall, even when Auburn won the national championship, all I remember from that was after they pulled it off, Cam Newton, I don't think, smiled after the game at all. He was holding his ribs. He always seems like yeah. he's afraid to wear the uh, rib gear. There's something, and again, that's a, that was the 12th game of the season, 13th game of yeah. the season. I, I think, 13. I don't think that they're going to keep RG3 running this offense. I just think it's the component. Like, what you imagine that Tebow is going to come and do is. 10, 15 plays, you bring in the package to throw it off. It has to be there now, Jess. Before, but I'm just, you know, while he establishes it. Well, I think they'll move away from it. As they, add, they add a little more talent on offense. They give him a big receiver. Exactly. I don't think that this is something that you're going to see. And, and they have a running back. It's hard to be like, oh, he's a running quarterback when he's leading the league. In, is he leading still in, in, leading a, in accuracy? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's hard. Like, I get it. You're trying to say. I think he had two 158s in a row. Yeah. 158 quarterback rating. Yeah. Two in a row. He had the 14 of 15 games with four touchdowns. That was pretty good. Uh, I I'm going RG3. I really am. I watched I I from scouting the draft last year and listening to a great Mel Kiper. Uh, uh, what's the name? Was it Mayock Cal? That podcast? No, it's Kiper and uh, McShay. McShay. Todd great McShay. podcast that they do leading up to the draft. And McShay said that RG3 is not a quarterback. And, like, he said it to his face, like, coming into the draft last year. And RG3 was, like, tweeting him, texting Like, he has such a chip on his shoulder about being the second overall pick and not being considered a quarterback or being considered Cam Newton. And I, I'm i going to say this. You guys are going to kill me. I see some Jeff George and Andrew Luck. <laughs> oh, wow. That is which parts? Little wow. Jeff George. I, I, I thought you were going to see say Jeff George and Cam Newton because he Cam Newton's response to not no being no I'm not talking about I'm not, right I'm not talking about the mental okay you're, uh, okay uh, I'm talking, talking about strictly physical. on the field maybe a little Joe Flacco in in Jeff George. <laughs> <laughs> well, I see a lot I see a lot of Bert Nerney in Joe Flacco uh, <laughs> or Jim Caviezel. Yeah. He looks just like Jim Caviezel. He does. I love Passion Flacco. of the Christ or you know, her person of interest. Right. Person of interest, uh, Caviezel. I was thought it was Caviezel. Is it Caviezel? No. I don't know. It's got to be Caviezel. It's probably not his name anyway. All I, <laughs> all I know is the guy when he was playing Christ thought he was Christ. Things got a little awkward there on the set, <laughs> I think, probably. But then, of course, Mel Gibson was directing that, so. <laughs> Just, probably not the healthiest set anybody had. <laughs> Um, okay, so uh, we we have about eight minutes left in the live stream, but uh, you guys hang out for another couple minutes. Sure. Let's talk a little baseball. Do you remember talk a little baseball? Are we bothering you? <laughs> we are once again live at uh, Blue Haven in New York on the corner of Houston and Thompson. Great bar. Come down. They have all the games. They're going to have the national championship game. Obviously, that's going to be a big night. Of course, it takes 19 weeks to play it. How are how are uh, how are the Irish fans down here? You get a lot of ND fans. No, I 
It's right down the middle. That's. I gotta be honest with you. I hate him. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but I always, I always have because you're I was, a BC guy, though, right? No, I'm not. I'm not a college football guy, and I went to school in the Midwest at Dayton, and we had a joke at UD. You know, we were Blue Domers. You know, not as, not quite as popular as the Gold Domers. But if like you wanted to have a beer, you went to Dayton. If you wanted to go watch a football game eight times a year, you went to ND. Not to go off topic with you, but uh, who, who's got the Heisman? Oh. That's not off topic. There's no there's no such thing. Uh great question. Cal, to you. Do you like uh you you like that Johnny football? I like Johnny football. <laughs> you just like his name. Of course that's why I like him. <laughs> Is he Flutie or what? Uh I saw yeah. Flutie comparison. See Flute well, who are the finalists? They're, they they named the three finalists, right? It's it's Johnny Football, it's Colin uh, Klein. Manti Tail. The Kansas City uh Cupid. Yeah, Kansas State. Colin Klein. Kansas State and Colin who's <laughs> like Man, talk about the fifth Beatles. Who brought Stu Sutcliffe? Like he's <laughs> right, and George. That's exactly right. He's he's totally Harrison in this equation, or even Ringo. He might even be Ringo. Like they won't even give him a song on the album. He doesn't even get, he doesn't even get uh, he gets what? Right, Ringo gets Octopus's Garden, which is you know awful. Or Good Night, terrible songs, awful songs. Uh, Jimmy, who do you like? Uh, well, it's just it's difficult to give it to a defensive guy. I mean, a linebacker. Well, Charles Woodson, what, what was he, 97? He got it, but he got it because he, he was on the uh, – he, he came out in the offense as well. That's why he won the right. Heisman. Yep, that's right. So, I mean, you're giving it – if you're going to give it to Matt Tao, you're giving it to him a straight-up defensive player, which has never been done before. Yeah. And, again, this is what brings out all the, uh, the anti-Irish people where they go, oh, you can't do it. And then other people go, well, you know, Johnny Football has got three more years. Yes. Let him win his Heisman next year. He's a redshirted, you know, what is he? He's a sophomore, so he's a... Freshman. But no, he's a redshirted freshman, so he's a college... Was he a college... redshirted freshman, Cal, or is he a true freshman? No, he's a redshirted yep. freshman. Redshirt freshman. Yeah, so he's, he's a sophomore in, yeah. in college, right? So he's got three more years. Let him win his Heisman right. next Well, that's what they said about Tebow. I mean, when Tebow won... Uh, Tebow was a sophomore when he won his first one, right? Sophomore, he's junior. He's the first yeah. underclassman. Yeah. But part of the problem is they're, they're voting on it next Saturday. The game, the game that's going to matter is, is a month later. Six weeks away. I understand that these guys have to go to class, but do you think maybe, do you think maybe we could have the national championship game, you know, within like four weeks of the last game of the season? I mean, it's just it's it's. Or if tough. you're not going to do that, let's do a little bit of a playoff. Well, spread the it playoff, out. Obviously, the playoff is the way to go, right? But short of the playoff. Do we need to wait eight weeks until these guys are, you know, haven't touched a football? I mean, obviously they're practicing and stuff like that, but... Can you imagine how mentally difficult that is to prepare for one game, one team for eight weeks? Eight weeks! Ridiculous! It's like a psychological experiment. Especially with finals in the middle of that. What's that, Cal? Especially with finals in the middle of that. Especially with finals? I got that psych final, and then I got to prepare for, you know, for the cover two. Like, this is tough stuff. What did Vegas end up calling the spread for the the, the BCS championship game? Is it seven and a half? It opened at seven and a half. It's already at oh, nine and a half. That's a Jess question. Oh, yeah. See how quick he was? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I just I heard from a guy. Maybe seven and a half. I don't know. It depends on what website you're on. Maybe because blogged it, are. You know. No, but, but to, go, to go back to what you said about how people are going to prepare. Yeah. Don't you think the uh, Notre Dame guys are going to have a better chance of of showing up to that game better prepared? I think so. With all the time off. Yep. I think yep. so. I think so. But I. I I think the, the the wait is ridiculous. 
I think it's absolutely ridiculous. I think there should be a playoff. We've, and we've, by the way, we've completely lost Cal just from the conversation because when I start talking about college football, which I've done a little bit lately because the Jets stink, he, he, like I watched a college football game, Dan. I watched a college football. I watched Notre Dame USC. I watched it. Nothing like hate to motivate you. Nothing like, nothing like hatred to motivate, motivate. And also Wesley was asleep. I had a little time. You know, Teresa was asleep. I had a beer nice. Speaking of beer, uh, thank you. Um, but I uh, and I watched this kid. This this Matty Teo kid is he is sick. He is good. He's got seven picks. What's that? He didn't have one before this year. He didn't have one coming into this year. Is no. that right? Yeah. Who do you like? Who do you like uh, for the Heisman there? Give me the Heisman first, Jeff. Um, they're not going to give it to Johnny Football, I think, because they're, it's, they had such a hard time breaking through for sophomores. Uh, Tebow was uh, – I don't know. I, I don't think they're going to give it to him. I think they like giving it to seniors. They like giving it to guys established kind of you, – like you yeah. said, you, you have three more years to win it. Um, Are they really going to give it to Klein, though? <laughs> no, no, no. They're going to give it to Tebow? I think so. Wow. Damn. I think Notre Dame is kind of in – Notre Dame is in well, it's the limelight right, right now. Right. Notre Dame is hot. Yeah. They're the new black. Yeah. <laughs> Cal, having not watched a down of uh, college football this year, who do you like? I I, I I would have to say Johnny Football. Well, you just again, it's on the name. Yeah, That's all I know. You've seen some highlights of Johnny Football. Yes, though. I have, and I know his last name is Manziel. <laughs> is, he, is he Flutie? <laughs> He's Flutie-esque. He's a little guy, right? He's small. He's not a junior man, but he's a, he's a little guy. 5'10", something like that. Yeah, he's not three apples high, but, I mean, he's 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 a little guy. I saw some of the highlights from last week's game, I guess it was. You he's know, on YouTube out there. He has, a, like, yeah, has an 82-yard like, uh, rushing touchdown. He's running five touchdowns and throwing for five touchdowns, and I'm like, oh, look, he's so cute. Uh, I didn't say that, actually. I'm, I'm, I'm quite manly when it comes to watching football. I burped and I scratched myself. <laughs> um, Dan, who do you... Who do you like here? You like the linebacker from uh, ND? I do, but my opinion is not. It's, it's not, not really good. Important. <laughs> it's not good. Can, you're like, can we talk about A Rod's hip? Can we get to that, please? Uh, we're going to lose the live feed in about a minute. Uh, she just said it. That's our Block Talk Radio lady. Cal, Cal, that was awesome, by the way. It just went out in the whole bar. Oh, they heard that. They did. They just heard the Block Talk Radio lady. Oh, we our friend. To her for over a year and a half. Yeah, we're not fans of her. Uh, but we're going to keep going <laughs> going uh, and keep recording. We'll put it on the podcast. Uh, so while we're still live, I want to thank Blue Haven, obviously, Jeremy, the whole staff here, uh, for treating us fantastically again. This is our second live Take it easy, sister. <laughs> I feel like, now I feel like it's the opposite. A little pushy. They're playing the music now. Right. Cal, they're playing me off. Uh, <laughs> many people to thank. My goodness. Uh, my agent. Um I want to thank Cal, of course. Um, no, but uh, seriously, thank you for having us again. Thank you guys for, for doing the show. It's fantastic. We love and, having you. Uh, uh, please go to www.bluehavennyc.com. Check them out. Uh, all the football games on Sunday, right through the playoffs. Great specials. There's 15 TVs, I think. There's the big screen. Uh, 19. 19, now, I think. something like that. We're in the back room here. By the way, the back room or the RTU room, as I'm dubbing it. Um, is awesome. Like, I would just, like, come back here and watch, like, have the five games on back here and uh, and watch the Jets and hurt myself. Listen, lady, you're a little bit out of line. Uh, and, of course, we will be back uh, with the regular podcast next week. 
Uh, so thank you for everybody listening live, and we're in overtime. Pants down, everybody. Pants off. <laughs> we, we are off the live. That's it. Josh, is, jo- Josh please. Nice job. Nice job. We are still here, though. We're still with... Oh, it's that time of the, of the show, isn't it? There's no gnat here, but... Uh, yeah, Stearman. But now that I have a microphone in my hand, uh, with the look and uh, orgy three yeah. question, do you not think that uh, the two owners, uh, Snyder and uh, what's what's Ursay? Jim Ursay. Don't you think that there is much of the the, the, the the to to answer the question, you have to kind of look at the owners of the two respective quarterbacks. That's a, that's a great point. It is, right, Cal? I mean, like they could not match the owners more perfectly. Yeah, you're right. <clears throat> like sort That's of a the, great point. Daniel Snyder, the guy who's been chasing, uh, who basically runs the Redskins like as a fantasy team. Like, oh, what? Who's available? Do we have a waiver wire? What are we doing? And Ursay, steadfast. Let's tank a season and get luck, and we won't even miss a beat. That's that's Cal. That's what's driving me crazy with luck. Like they didn't miss a beat. Like, come on, you had one one in fifteen season, and now you're on your way. And now you're back to being great again for 10 years. It just isn't fair. Ah, Biggs is right. Um, it's frustrating. Yeah, wouldn't, <clears throat> wouldn't be a show if I didn't get a Star Wars quote in. All right. Uh, Dan, thanks. Uh, you, that's it? You, what are you, Elvis? I mean, we were just about to talk about baseball. We need you for this. Uh, and then we got to bring P- – PJ's still here. PJ, you're still here? Let's – oh, PJ. Oh, I feel I feel terrible, Cal. Not rice. Why? Because we've ignored. No, the but he's he's fine with it. He knows his role. Oh, I'm okay, guys. You can play with me next week. It's fine. I'm still your friend, right? You <laughs> don't have to drink to be our friend. It helps. But <laughs> what's up, Peach? You're my pals. I'm here for you, and you're here for me. We're just about to talk about the uh, Major League Baseball winter meetings. You're all up on that. I don't know what that is. Does that happen? Is that real? Did you make that up? I don't know. It's really happening. All right. Well, then I'm going to go back on hold. Cal, why don't you explain to PJ what the winter meetings are? How about you? (laughs) I don't think he even wants to know. (laughs) I don't think he does either. I was, about, I was about to explain it, and then I thought to myself, he doesn't really care. This would so, be a good time. If you wanted to tell me something completely off the wall, just make stuff up, I'd probably still believe you. Right. ESPN has a logo for the winter meeting. Yes, they do. That's it's not it's on our website. I mean, it's on the blog. Talk, I found it on the blog. It's on the blog. Talk radio page. We could totally, though, Cal, Dan, we could totally make something up what, what the winter meetings are. Like it, the cool this will be a new segment. We'll call it Mess with PJ. Tell right. me anything. <laughs> the winter meetings are actually when Major League Baseball general managers get together and trade recipes. And decide uh, how many innings games will be <laughs> for the next No year. way! Yeah, that's they keep, up. They keep picking nine. Right. <laughs> that's the thing. They pick nine every year. So weird. Um, Maybe so, oh, it was like bad luck. The winter... <laughs> 
the winter meetings are going on. But uh, two things baseball-wise, Cal, and then, Pete, you, you do have a fun load, yes? Who is this? Right. <laughs> who, who is this? PJ, please tell me you have a fun load. I don't understand anything they've said after, and now here's our special guest, Joe. Right. Fun fun load tonight will be a short thing about alcohol. Stay tuned. Or don't. It doesn't matter to us. We're talking small. We're talking small. It's a small thing about it. Rhode Island could kick its ass in a fun load. We're talking small. Um, Cal, winter meetings. Dan, winter meetings. Two big. Th- uh, first of all, you've been uh, sick. You've been watching the MLB channel uh, like it's uh, you're a housewife watching a soap. I'm going to bring us back to 1955 here, by the way. Um, watching my stories. Yeah, watching your stories. Um, what do you th- What do you make of the? Let's talk about the Mets, and then we'll talk about the Yankees with Dan. What do you make of the R- trading R.I. Dickey? Are you in favor? Are you for or again? I, I hate I hate to say it. Um, it depends on the deal, you know. I no, don't. I. But but just that's a, we that's a given. Brian. What are we What are we presupposing they're going to receive for R. A. Dickey? If I could tell you, you could trade R. A. Dickey to get uh, an outfielder and a catcher. Are you making the trade? That can start this year. That's correct. I'll, I'll, give, probably... you, I'll give you I'll give you an example of a deal. Are you trading R. A. Dickey for? J.P. Aaron Sebia and uh, an outfielder, a young outfielder that can play. And Anthony goes. Anthony goes, for example. I think I would make that deal. You make that deal, right? I think I would. Now, there was a ton of scuttlebutt today. I was on Twitter all day. That is the one cool thing about the winter meetings with Twitter. It's cool and it sucks. <laughs> the cool part is, like, you're seeing, oh, the Mets are interested in this guy, the Yankees are interested in their, the Red Sox are talking to this guy, blah, blah, blah. You don't know how much of it is crap. But they, and this is not surprising to me, they are in hot pursuit of Will Myers. Who, the Mets? Yes. From right. the Cal, I would trade Zach Wheeler for Will Myers. No, you wouldn't. I would certainly trade R.A. Dickey for him. Oh, yeah, of course we would. The Royals wouldn't do that. Are you doing R.A. Dickey and other pieces for Will Myers? A Familia, a Flores. Yeah, I would do that. You have to. I would do can that. We, can we get the look? We we've just been talking for two hours about the Jets having their own R R G three. Can we have our Bryce Harper? Can we have him? Can we have our Mike Trout? I still think you're gonna. Price. I I, I still. <laughs> but Will Myers is a 21 year old outfielder who, by all accounts, is basically like Mike Trout and Bryce Harper. Can we have him? Can I get one? There's no way, Kansas City. <laughs> I hate when you're the voice of reason. I hate it. In fact, it, talking about it doesn't even make sense to you. <laughs> but if, Good night, I, everybody. I pose this, Thanks. I pose this <laughs> that, is Play the Carol Burnett music. Good night. <laughs> if David Wright is the face of the franchise. The franchise. franchise. <laughs> franchise. If David Wright is the face of the chicken franchise. Then what is R.A.T.? Is he like the arm? Knuckleballer who had a is great Is he the year. heart and soul? No. Is he the philosophical core? He's philosophical. I don't know if he's the core. No. He's the culture of the organization. 
Cal, I know you love them, but this team has so many holes for 2013 that if you can plug two of them with a 38-year-old knuckleballer... Well, then you have to do it, of course. Then I, I don't have a problem with them trading Ari Dickey. I really how don't. Many years, I, how many years do you guys think he has of being elite? He... he he may have two, three. Hard to say. He may have three, but but, but Dan, they're dealing from a position of strength there. The only strength on the team right now is starting pitching. They have Harvey. They have Nice. They have Zach Wheeler. They have Familia. They have Mejia. They have uh, a kid named Michael Fulmer who's coming up through this. Right, season. so don't you think that they just need a little bit of offense here and then they could That's be exactly, pretty competitive? That's what I'm saying. So you, but, Mickey but is the take, most tradable chip. Yeah, but if you take out the core of that group, but then, then, they, then you lose what the essence of what you've got. But they, they, they lost 88 games last year, and the guy won 20 games. What difference does it make? You know, if you can go get offense for him, right? you got to right? help me. If you will allow me to help you, I will help you. Yes, I agree. If you can get offense, if you can fill two offensive spots with R.A. Dickey, you should do it. But you should not do it just, just to plug the holes. You need to get guys that are good. Yeah, I'm not saying do it for, you know, two cents worth of God help us. I'm saying, you know... No, but, but, that, but a, lot, a, lot, a lot of people will say, well, you've got to trade him no matter what. Because he's going he's gonna to decline. That and I don't agree with. He's at his highest value right now, and you, you absolutely you have to trade him no matter what. Get what you can for him now. I don't agree with that. No, I, 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 Cal, I'm with you. You know, you don't just take any deal that comes along because he's at his highest value. How and long? I don't, I don't think Alderson's going to do that. How either. long was has uh, Tim Wakefield? How long was he effective past forty? Several years. Five years. But Tim Wakefield's a different kind of knuckleballer. Tim Wakefield didn't throw an eighty mile an hour knuckleball. And also, but you don't Dickey think Ari Dickey could adapt? You don't. But think he didn't that... start throwing until he was thirty six, Dan. Tim Wakefield was throwing it for 10 years. I'm just saying, he could be good for another four years. But this team has so many holes, and that's a position of strength. Dan, they need three outfielders. If the season started tomorrow, do you know what their starting outfield is? Do you want me to tell you? It's Mike Baxter, Kirk Newenheis, and Lucas Duda. No, it's not even Lucas Duda, because he hurt himself moving. That's right. That's right. He hurt himself moving a couch. That's correct. It's not even Lucas Duda. Like in the, he doesn't have movers. <laughs> no, well, we, we went through this. It was great. Like they, the guys on the Mostly Mets uh, podcast on SNY were like speculating, like, dude, he's a big dude. Maybe he just figured I could, Maybe he's a chronic redecorator. We don't know. Maybe he just decided he wanted the couch on the other side of the room. Look, they need outfielders desperately to start next year. I just think, Cal. I just think if the deal comes up, you got to do it. And I think the Mets will do that too. And that's how they're playing this right now, is they yeah. know that they've got the chip, and they're letting the teams come to them. And by yep. all accounts, there are a lot of teams coming to them. Yep. And, and the, the other... other... Go ahead, Cal. No, I, it would probably be the same thing. The other thing it is probably that will be the same. a lot of teams are waiting to see what Zach Greinke does. Yeah. You know, once Zach Greinke signs, and right now it appears to be between the Dodgers and the Rangers. Oh, he'd be great in L.A. I think so. Zach Greinke? You don't think so? Ugh. He just pitched last year in L.A. No, he pitched in Anaheim. That's L.A. No, 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 Brian. I'm going to have to jump in here. As somebody who's lived in Los Angeles, 
Oh, that's, you're the play that card? That's, that's the difference between living in Manhattan and living in Montauk. Oh. Yeah. No, no, no. He, he you know the you know the great quote in Swingers when when uh, Sue says to him, you know, come on, Mike, you're not from here. I'm from here, and he's like Anaheim. You know, like to make fun of him for not being like a tough guy. That's Anaheim. Anaheim is the OC. You know, they're listening to Phantom Planet and you know California. That's not. That's not Los Angeles. Okay. It's not. No, no, Los Angeles is not New York. I'm just saying, he's been pitching in Anaheim. You know, Disney's oh there. It's very, very, <laughs> very, very sterile. Very, You're so very degrading, sterile. though. I, is not, that I'm bad? Not, I'm not bringing it down. I'm just saying suburbia compared he to Los Angeles. He pitched in Anaheim. Wow. Look, all I know is Zank Greggy's got, got, got a problem with people. Let's not put him in L.A. He is made for the middle of the desert in Texas. He is made for Texas or Phoenix, like the Diamondbacks. Perfect. Too bad Oklahoma City doesn't have a, a team. He'd be perfect there. If Des Moines had a team, he would be perfect. <laughs> the, the, the Helena Handbaskets would be a perfect team for him in Montana. Uh, but I think you're right. I think they're waiting for Granky to sign. So... The other thing I was going to say, Brian, and then I, I do want to move on to the Yankees because, frankly, they're fascinating. They really are. Because they got to go get a shortstop and a third baseman now. And a um, catcher. And a catcher. Um, but uh, the other thing with Dickey is I saw somewhere today like three years, $45 million. Uh, Let's calm down. All right. Like to rip up the option for this year and go three years, $45 million. Uh, let's settle down. Settle down. Yeah, Angel Pagan's getting crazy money. Angel Pagan, really? $40 million. $40 million, really? Every Met fan is like, why, he couldn't have signed with the Phillies? <laughs> he's, oh, boy. Yeah. It's a, it's no, amazing. I know. No, damn it, you're right. He's got a ring. He's got a ring. But, but it's amazing. He, he's a head case. He is. I, I, I just loved how well he ran the bases in the playoffs last year. Like, he, like, all of a sudden discovered how to play the game of baseball in the playoffs last year. When for the Mets, like, he would, like, run to third base on a, you know, I mean, he was awful. He's the worst base runner I've ever seen in my life. And then in the playoffs, he's, like, taking, like, stealing third base when they're throwing the ball back to the pit. Like, he's, like, come on. Why with the Mets jersey on? Why? Josh, you're a Mets fan, too. Painful. It's like he read a book on how to play baseball when he left the Mets. Right. Like he yeah, went to the library and, and checked like, out mm-hmm, baseball, baseball, baseball for dummies. Right, baseball for dummies. Oh, you don't tag up. Oh, when there's two outs, don't tag three up. Outs in an inning? Right, crack three? of the bat. You run on the crack of the bat with two outs. You don't go back and oh. tag up at second base. Oh, this game's easy. That was worth $40 million to him. Yes. Um, Dan. A-Rod, everything's really going well for your squad. Good look. Good look over there. Biggest question I have, and I, and I and I didn't, I have to confess, I didn't follow all the details today that came out, but why are they announcing this now? Why didn't a surgery happen, like, right after the season, if this is going to place him coming back in May or June? Anyone know I that? <laughs> Anyone? I don't have an answer for that. 
Well, look, Cashman's repelling down buildings again with Santa Claus hats on. So, but he's he's brought Bobby Valentine with him this year. Did you see that? <laughs> now that, as long as he's not guest bartending down here, right? Now that now that he and Bobby Valentine are uh, on the case, uh-huh. I think we can cure cancer. There was some talk about the um, the hip having to be made. Come on. No, that, and that's why it's going to take. We can like, rebuild like, him. Like, like why? Was, yeah, like why is he not? Go, why is why is the surgery not happening today? He wanted it to be done. Gold. Like it's, it's not getting done till till the till the fourth of January, and it's because the, that that has to be built. That that was one report that came out, right? but I I don't know if it's true or not. They How do you turn they him into a minotaur? From, they should have gotten it from China. That's <laughs> How do you, how do you get a to actually be a minotaur? That's probably the question. That they have right now, it has to be built, and of course he wanted it in, in pure gold. Um, boy, that doesn't say anything about steroids either. Oof, no. The fact that both of his, his hips have gone in four years, no. Sure, sure he hasn't been doing it since seventeen. Um, so now Dan, your team needs a third baseman. Uh, we saw Fat Jeter last week. That was funny. Derek Eater. Derek Eater. Um, he looks good. He looks good. That's some gift basket. I think maybe he was maybe having a couple of the gift baskets for himself. You know, the one thing that maybe we have on Jeter, the one thing, and this is all we've got, is we might be aging a little better than he is. <laughs> it's, it's strictly hairline at this point. Like, all I have, the only thing I will ever have on Derek Jeter is hairline. And the fact that, you know what, I think he stopped going to, like, edible arrangements for the fruit. And I think he started getting gift baskets of like ham gabagool and like, you know, sausage and maybe some cheeses. Anyway, they're going to get a shortstop too. Because by all reports, he's not going to be ready for the start of the season. So, Dan, Yankee fan, tell us how you feel about your team in the uh, winter meetings. I've been emotionally preparing for this for years. So, you know, but the thing is that each year, you ask yourself as a Yankee fan, how are they how are they going to do it this year? How are they going to put an elite team together? How are they going to contend again? You know, how many years in a row now? You know, where, where are we? 16, 17? Yeah. Somehow they keep doing it, and so it, and then you get this you get this you get this faith that you know what they're, they're probably going to do it again. Right. And um, and I I kind of have that false sense of confidence that somehow they're going to piece it together and by September they're going to be in first place, second place and uh or second place and um and 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 be able to make a run. So you think so yeah. you don't you don't think that this is the year? You can, now you said you've been you said you've been I've, emotionally preparing. Every year I thought it was the year for the last 7 years <laughs> and have been I'm 0 for 7, Brian. So oh. So that, lucky that, you. Do they do they extend Robinson Cano? Yeah, I, I think you have to, and you can't you give him seven years and one hundred and forty million dollars. I think you've got him. What are you? He's gonna, in the exact you, same situation as David Wright. The, the Mets just gave David Wright a seven-year extension, so it works out to be eight years and one hundred thirty-eight million dollars. Uh, takes him to age thirty-eight. Uh, he's the exact same age as Robinson Cano. Uh, they're both going to be thirty. Obviously, Cano is a better offensive player. Uh, a bigger time player. Can the Yankees afford to have 
Um, CC Sabathia at 25 million, A Rod at 25 million, Teixeira at 25 million, and Cano at 20 million. And who knows what Jeter gets on the next contract because he's going to play till he's 50. Um, can they afford to have that on the payroll in 2015? I mean, that's 125 million on four players who are all over the age of 32. I mean, they've got they've got huge financial issues. I, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what they're going to do, but I think you know. History tells us they're going to sign Cano. Right. And um, and let Granderson go. Let Granderson go. Pick up the option or look to trade him now. I think so. Yeah. I think so. And and obviously, A-Rod is the biggest, the biggest problem here because you've got a huge amount of money and you're, you, you might not be getting anything from him this year. And uh, and just think about think about what happened at the end of the of the ALCS last year. I mean, um, you know, basically everyone thought he was written out of town. Yeah. But he he's going to show up in a Yankee uniform next year. <laughs> yeah, he is because nobody's going to pick up thirty million dollars next year. I mean, later on in the season, but he will show up eventually in the right. uniform. Well, now now I wonder hip. will will the will his uniform be low cut? Will we get to see a fitting? <laughs> he's wearing a. This is really awkward. I don't. I didn't need to see the new hip era. Uh, very interesting stuff going on in the winter meetings. I'll, I'll, I, I'll, go ahead, Cal. No, I, I want to know from Dan who is going to bro it down now that uh, Nick Swisher is gone for you guys. <laughs> who are they going to bro it up with? <laughs> the bro who, quotient. Who, who replaces that? Wow. That's right. Bring, that's right. Just just bring said, bring in Jeremy Giambi. We can do this. We can do this. We can rebro this team. You know, maybe you bring back someone. You know, maybe you bring back Bro Brocious. You know, <laughs> Greg to, to bro it up. Right. To bro it I up. mean, you never know. He could do that. Right. You may have to bring back Charlie Hayes. You know. Doug Brocal. Doug Brocal. You may have to bring him in. You may have to bring in Mariano Duncan. We played today. We win today. Okay. That's it. Okay. Uh, yeah, the Bro quotient. Sadly, the fan favorite. It's a big deal. I still love the idea of Nick Swisher when he got voted like most annoying, like least. What was it, Cal? Like he got voted like the least guy you'd want to be teammate, like least liked player in the league or something. And that one quote from the anonymous ball player, like he's always trying to bro it down with you. My God, that would be exhausting. That was the quote. Like being in a locker room with him would be exhausting. No, he's trying to bro it down with you. That's the guy's quote. How does one exactly bro it down? I don't know. But Nick Swisher does. Oh, it would be so great if he winds up with the Red Sox, too, by the way. Oh, yeah. How hard are you rooting for him? Yeah, bro nation. The Red Sox bro nation. How hard are you rooting for him to be on the Red Sox? The Red Sox, uh, wait, have they learned nothing? Reverse demon. Like, but have the Red Sox learned nothing? They they just rid themselves of like what two hundred and fifty million dollars worth of contracts with Gonzalez and and Carker and now they're in on every free agent. Well, they signed Napoli and they signed Shane Victorino today. They did sign Victorino. Yes. Oh, I didn't. You're like you have the latest from the winter meetings. I did not know that. Yeah, I think they signed him for the. I think they signed both Napoli and Victorino for three years, thirty nine million. <laughs> Good job, everybody. Let's th- let's throw another seventy eight million dollars on the fire. Good job, some players on their back end of their careers. Good job. Although Victorino's a good, uh, I think he's a good fit in that ballpark and on that team. 
I don't, I don't. I'm not kidding. I'm, I've never been convinced of Mike Napoli ever. Well, he can play first base and he can also play DH. Yeah, That's no, I mean, I, yeah, I just, I, I don't like where he came from. Like, what does that mean? Like he was like a borderline, you know, sort of catcher or whatever, and then all of a sudden, I don't know, he reeks of steroids to me. <laughs> he does. What? He reeks of PEDs to me. He does. I don't think you can do that. I just can, did it. Can you? Can you accuse somebody like that? Bring on Napoli. He's got a problem with me. He knows where I am. Publicly? <laughs> he knows where to find me. Oh All right. we got. You have one more thing? I just had a question about uh, uh, Josh Hamilton. Oh, yes. Winter meetings and all? Yes. Speaking of, speaking of like places that might not be a good fit. I, I'm a bar owner in New York. Right. <laughs> <laughs> any, chance, any chance we can get him here for a few months? <laughs> well, you have to take a chaperone with you. Where do you think he's going? He's another one to me that, uh, you know, these players, look, Brian, we've talked about this on the show many times. These guys are human beings. I mean, they they come with they come with baggage. They come with, you know, Zach Greinke. There are places that Zach Greinke, because he's a human being, should not play, that are probably not in his best interest to play. And his agent doesn't care about that. His agent's going to try to get him the biggest deal that's possible. We talked about it with CC Sabathia a couple of years ago when, when the Yankees had to overpay $50 million to get him to come to New York. Now, it turned out great. It turned out that CC Sabathia liked New York. Uh, but he wanted to go home to Oakland. But his agent didn't care about that. His agent didn't care about where he wanted to be. He's going to get him the biggest deal. Look at Jose Reyes. You know, his agent did not care where where is best for Jose Reyes. And now he's in Toronto. Have fun. Um, you know, Hamilton, just like Granke, even more so, is an interesting case. There are certain places he doesn't belong. That if his agent has his best interest in mind, and the teams that are courting him have his best interest in mind, it will be Texas, or it will be it will be somewhere where he can live healthy life. You know, you know, you know what? That's a lot of money you're investing, though. You know what I mean? Like if you're the Yankees, you have to be smarter than that. You have to say, you know, I'm not going to give this guy $100 million when every temptation in the world is right outside his window. I oh, know, Brian. What do you think of that? I I agree with that 100%. I think he, he's best served staying right where he is in Texas. The problem is that Texas knows him better than anybody right now and might be wary about giving him the money that he's looking for. Right. And if he's not going to get the money from where he's supposed to stay – He's going to have to take it from a place okay. where it might not be best for him. Yep. That's a great point. He's not going to leave the money on the table. Well, that's that's if he has to take Max money. Right. You know? Right. That's right. And maybe he gives, well, maybe, you know, Texas is looking for a hometown discount. You know, I, I think that's extraordinarily interesting, Cal, what you just said, is that if if Texas, who has known him well over the last few years, is not willing to give him the money, it's, you know. Sounds like a red flag. Right, it's, the red flag should go up. And you know what's you know what's a sin about Josh Hamilton? He is a tremendous player. Like if you think about what he would have been, had and again these demons are his own fault. These things are his own fault. He is he is no one to blame but himself. I am fully aware of that. But if you just watch this guy swing, or watch this guy play the game, he would have been sick. Well, Steve, you make it sound tragic. It is. It has an incredible, but he's to an extent it's tragic. So far, an incredible career, and if he keeps it going, is Mickey Mantle tragic? But now, in hindsight, in hindsight, yes. But but I, I, 
he's not Doc Gooden, and he's not Daryl no, Strawberry. Good. That's a great point. You know, he's got he's, he's having still he's it. having a great still career. No, you're and, right. and and I think looking back, you you won't be able to say, oh, he never realized his full potential. I mean, look at his numbers. How much better could she have gotten some of these years? That's a great question. He and just would have done it for longer. How much better would he have been? He's been clean living. But wasn't it in uh, wasn't it in Baltimore and kind of yards that he hit the four home runs last year? Yeah. So I mean, obviously he would have hit five. Uh, he would <laughs> if the well no, isn't kind of yards a good fit to him? Baltimore, Baltimore is. Baltimore be good. I mean, it's a big city, but you know, it's a small town. It's a big city, small town. That's a scary thought. <laughs> yeah, for a Yankee fan, it is a scary thought. Um, there it, are no drugs in downtown Baltimore. No. It's clean. I watched the wire. The wire. I thought what happened. Um, no, but but Dan, you wonder what he would have been had it not been for the ravages of drug abuse that he had had. So he's a magnificent player. And he ravaged his body. You know, like uh, you think the same thing about Mickey Mantle. Mickey Mantle was one of the greatest baseball players to ever play the game. What if he didn't drink? We'll never know. Well, you know, you could you can well, I tell argue you what, it, you can argue with the other way, Steve. These guys are self-medicating. In right. some way, and maybe maybe they wouldn't maybe they wouldn't even had a career had they not done a little of that. Right. You know, it's a good point. Maybe they would have derailed earlier. It's a good point. Good That's job. That's what we want to be teaching the kids. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> if the drugs get you through to the dream, then you can stop. Be really, really good. And it, that's <laughs> and that's one to grow on. And that's one to grow on. <laughs> I'm Jason Bateman. That's one to grow on. No, wait. We the, the, I'm Kim Fields. That's one to grow on. What's a uh, Michael J. Fox, maybe? Uh, 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 most definitely Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox. Malcolm Jamal Water. Malcolm and Jamal. Anyway. <laughs> um, Keisha, Keisha, pull him. That's one to grow on. Uh, okay, let's do the fun load and let's get out of here. Peach. PJ. PJ, wake up. Spring it on me, why don't you? I just sprung it on you. We got to finish up. We got to wrap up here. Let's go. I'll wrap you up. Cannonball. Oh, Tannenbaum. All right, sir. Everything I touch gets ruined. Ah, I got a rock. Christmas. The holidays. Drinking. Just Tonight, a quick one. We, we, you know, there, there are some, um, there are some traditional uh, Christmas drinks, right? Like, um, uh, like a holiday punch. Sure. Or, um. The coquito. Ever have the coquito? Oh, eggnog. Beautiful. Sure. Uh, I was just wondering, just going going around the room, um, do you guys have any uh, Christmas liquor traditions? Uh, I could could start you with my own. There's a couple things here. One, you're saying the holidays are a great time to be sauced, which I think we all agree with. I think it's all a great time to drink. It starts at Thanksgiving and it ends at New Year's. You start drinking at Thanksgiving. You finish up around two thirty in the morning, vomiting on New Year's. And then you say this this has to stop. That's right. That's that's right. That's where the resolution came from. And that's your resolution. I'm never drinking again except Tuesday next week. Right. Uh, What's your favorite Christmas drink, Paige? Well, we we have we have a pretty solid tradition. Um, We have sort of a champagne punch. During the day, it'll be out with the antipast. Right. Uh, nothing but wine with dinner. Okay. And then, like a and then I please. 
And uh, it's not hardcore or anything. This is just how it's been happening for the last 40 yeah, years. Casual. Uh, yeah. And then once once the plates are cleared <laughs> and uh, the mixed nuts come out, as we discussed. And the Andy's candies, right? Yeah. Uh, my dad always brings out the Frangelico. Uh, you know, the little bottle that's dressed like a monk? Inexplicably. <laughs> that you cannot buy in Italy. Really? It's not available in Italy. You can go to Italy, you try and buy a bottle of Frangelico, it's not available. No, of course not. They they're, make they're, it there laughing at for this market, yeah. If you had said Zambuk, that's, that's really perplexing. Right. But you cannot buy a bottle of, I've tried it. Right. You cannot buy a bottle of Frangelico <laughs> in Italy. They're laughing at me. Amaretto, am, Amaro... Uh, Campari, right, Sambuca, sure. Limoncella, all available in Italy. Isn't a little in, is that nice? A little in, is that nice? Yeah. I can have a little amount of Chevitz, but it looks funny on my table. You know what I'm saying, Josh? <laughs> no, but uh, isn't we, anything we, with Angelica up against the wall? No, that's Galileo. Galileo. Yeah. That's right. That's right. If you add Galileo to her drink, it's up against the wall. So, like, I'll right. have a right. slow, what is it, a slow screw or something uh, like that? A slow, comfortable screw up against up the against wall, the wall. Yeah. Well, the other thing with the Galileo bottle was it was shaped like a baseball bat. Oh, and and any time any, any bartender was getting mugged, most of the time the bottle that they tried to grab was the Galileo right, bottle. And, no, and nobody ever drank from it. It was always full. <laughs> right. Yeah, why didn't anybody ever drink Galileo? It's not very good. Is that what it is? It's not very good. What did, what is uh, what does he do with the Frangelico? Just on his own. It was it was kind of how we put a cap on the evening. It was like uh, it was like our, our Christmas toast. Fighting. We you know we we all, we all love each other. We had a great Christmas together. Everybody's making ham sandwiches for the you know for the end of the night, right. and everybody sits around and watches whatever's on TV, uh, sipping some Frangelico till it's gone. Watching the Yule log, nice. Why yeah. don't you never mind how much I'm drinking? Worry about what you're drinking. <laughs> That's right. Never mind. I, so I like to... Okay, fine. Okay. okay. Fine. Fine. Okay. You're so fu- I like to have a, a... Okay. You're funny, okay? You're funny. I'll say it again. You're funny. You keep asking if you're making me laugh. You're making me laugh. What? <sighs> Why don't you, what was the question? I hate So much. <laughs> Cal, uh, what do you drink? Uh, we don't really have any traditions. The only thing that we, we do have is the uh, the little... Bottles of uh, chocolate liqueur. Chocolate liqueur. It's fantastic. It's shaped in the Christmas tree. <laughs> right. And we pretty much, we just go through the whole thing at once. Right. And you pretty much whack out like 15 of those. That's that's about it. Which is great because you're getting chocolate and sugar and right. liqueur. So by the time you get to the bottom of that tree, you're having the conversation Jay was just having. It says right here, it's a dessert wine. <laughs> so it really works the same. I don't care for you or your face. <laughs> where, where are the chocolate candies? I'm, uh, I'm gonna say it one more, one more time. You do a good drunk, by the way, Jay. For a what, guy who doesn't drink a lot, you do a good drunk. What, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Uh, Dan, any uh, any liquor over there in the Antonello? By the way, we couldn't bring another Italian in. We had Jess Bellissimo and Dan Antonello. My God, it's like a meeting of the five families tonight. Dude, someone's getting made. Poor, poor Josh is either getting made or getting whacked, because poor Josh has been the only Jewish guy in the back of the room the whole time. No, no, Joe Gordon just showed up. Oh, Joey's here. He's okay. half Italian, half Jewish. That's right. Only the good half, though. On the good side. 
Dan, any uh, any liqueurs over there in the yeah. Antonello household right after you whack someone? The Zambuca flows. The Zambuca but, uh, flows, but I, nice. I'll tell you what I've been drinking the last few years, and I found a way to 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 drink Irish cream in a socially acceptable way where you don't get made fun of. You pour so, it. So you think. <laughs> <laughs> you, you pour it into eggnog. Cream on cream. That's a, uh, first of all, hold on, hold That's on. Hold on. <laughs> this is not that type of show. After hours. Um, uh, I love uh, Bally's. I'm a huge Bally's guy. I drink, I will drink Bally's on the rocks and feel fine about it. I'm not I'm not ashamed. You know what I'll do nice? I'll put in Andy's Midnight's in the Bally's. This, 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 this. Welcome to Cream on Cream. <laughs> <laughs> with Antonello. This is an RTU spinoff show we're going to do. Cream on Cream with Antonello. Oh, yeah. yeah. Do this yourself is. right. Put it with some eggnog. <laughs> I happen to love, later. I happen to love rum and eggnog. That's my Christmas drink. Just a little Bacardi right in the uh, right in the eggnog. They I'm were a uh, they were a ventriloquist act, weren't they? <laughs> Bacardi and eggnog. <laughs> Rum and eggnog. Not a very good one either. Or they uh, trapeze artists. That's right. Worst ventriloquist act ever. They used to open for the great Zamboni. <laughs> Bacardi and eggnog. Is this on? Can you hear me in the back? <laughs> Sing on. Uh, Peach, good call. We're gonna let's uh, let's close it, boys, before they kick us out of here because it, it just got cream on cream in here. So, uh, you can name the episode then. Right. Episode 3.45. Um, okay. Let's wrap it up. Uh, so, before we go, uh, final unload. I, uh, I just fixed my favorite guitar, so I'm going to be over there playing my favorite guitar. That's it. Nice. Cal, final unload. Tomorrow, the Mets will announce the signing of David Wright to an eight-year contract, and it's finally, finally glad to have a Met for life that we can be proud of. No offense, Ed Cranepool. Somewhere, Ed Cranepool just dropped his beer. Like, what? What did he just say? Uh, and my final unload is a special thanks to everybody who came out, uh, all the guys who came out tonight, and, and girls, uh, to see us. Uh, Errol, uh, Jess, Josh. Dan, uh, Joe, Allison, thank you guys. My cousin Louise is out there somewhere. Um, thank you, especially to Blue Haven, uh, for having us again. Uh, this is a great time. I think we're, we're learning from it. A special thanks to Joe Caparoso from uh, TurnOnTheJets.com. Check that out. Check out TurnOnTheNicks.com. Uh, Coming soon. Special thanks to Jay. Masali, Marona, Minkia, Manache, Duno, Pachiro, Gatsapa, Fangu. That's easy for you to say. Exactly. I just cursed about it this time, I think. Um, and uh, well, you might have ordered something for dessert. <laughs> I might have, I might have ordered something that would go well with Um So special thanks to uh, all those guys. Thank you. We will see you guys next week. And uh, again, special thanks to Blue Haven uh, for supporting us and sponsoring the shows. And we will be back in January here if they'll have it. Uh, all right, we'll see you all next week. Good night, everybody. Night, Cal. Good night. Stay tuned for an all-new Cream on Cream. (laughs) We're a very special Cream on Cream.